of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons' frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Many, 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 Mickey, 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 Pishy, Pishy! Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, him. in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Rich. Of course, uh, no Joe Lanza this week. He is uh, doing bigger and better things like, I don't know, getting married and not doing a voice wrestling flagship podcast. Uh, yeah, if you don't know, Joe got married this week to the TLB, the lovely Brittany. Uh, so, of course, he uh, did not want to uh, record a voice wrestling podcast. Actually, he probably would have if he could, but I, I, I definitely was like, no, Joe, you're doing your own thing. You're in Las Vegas. Get married to love your life. Go do that. That's a little more important. But, uh, yeah, I do. If, if you haven't seen um, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling uh, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling and you can literally see Joe get married we have the video the Vimeo video up there uh, absolutely nuts but uh, yeah it, <laughs> I, can't, I still can't believe he sent me that uh, to post but it, it's up there patreon.com slash voice wrestling but uh, yeah you can join me in congratulating Joe um, and the TLB on, the, on their marriage and and obviously the the life of, of love and happiness that is coming now and their their next journey and I say that journey because I know Joe gets very upset when people say journey but no I really do wish uh, both of them the best and I wish Joe the best as well I mean there's really unfortunately in my life I don't think there's anybody I talk to on a more regular basis than Joe and for longer than than maybe my own wife as well and it's, it's kind of funny to see the journey that this podcast has taken you know all those many years that we started you know it, it, when it began I believe I was single or I was dating you know somebody I, I wasn't serious and, and I think he was engaged at that point and we've it, it, the fact that we've done this podcast so many years like I've you know found you know my my you know the the woman that I married and 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 you know he went through you know his the the Tinder Mahal phase where he's you know a wild man on on Tinder and doing all that sort of stuff to to finally finding you know TLB the lovely Britney and and now him getting married I got married two years ago it's just nuts how this is all kind of converged he's he got married the day after I got married you know two years ago so it's uh it's pretty interesting he should have had the, the anniversary on the same day as me but that's all right can't all be perfect but uh yeah no so join me in congratulating him and and, and yeah I wish them nothing but the best and I'm sure that'll be a major talking point next week when uh, Joe comes back on the voice wrestling podcast we'll uh, we'll have a lot of discussions about the the wedding about Las Vegas uh, about his experience at WrestleMania weekend ton of stuff to cover that show's probably gonna be about nine hours long uh, once that's all said and done, but uh, that'll be next week uh, when Joe and I get back together. It's, I know it's been weeks and weeks and weeks, but our schedules have been weird. I've been on vacation. He was in New Orleans. It, it just it, it never worked out, but we're finally back um, next week together, finally again. But uh, we're going to be doing some stuff on patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling as well, so I know he's going to be doing some reviews on some stuff. So if you're really clamoring for Lanza Audio, I can get it there, but uh, we'll get the official flagship. Joe and I back together are three hours or whatever that I don't know that show's gonna be about 12 hours I don't know how we're gonna get cram all that stuff into three hours but that'll be back next week uh this week a little bit of a different um approach what we're gonna do is I'm gonna do a dual part show um 
the first part is going to be myself and uh, Shake Them Ropes co-host Jeff Hawkins, and we are going to cover the Superstar Shakeup, the Greatest Royal Rumble, uh, the Andre the Giant uh, documentary. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Paul Jones, who passed away, and then, of course, uh, the big story of who passed away uh, earlier this week, uh, Bruno San Martino. So we'll talk a little bit about those and some other stuff along the way. Uh, as well, and then uh, part two of the podcast is uh, an old friend that comes back to the show, a uh, guest that we used to have many, many times before, comes back after a two-year hiatus, uh, the people's rapper John Connor, and you can follow him on Twitter, at John Connor Music, Instagram, at uh, John Connor Music as well, he's also on SoundCloud, uh, you can go to any number of websites to find his old mixtapes, and his uh, his album's coming out pretty soon as well, so we're excited to have him on again, we talk about his experience at WrestleMania, he is a hardcore wrestling fan, way deep into this, and has some great insights into WrestleMania and his thoughts on WrestleMania, which is a little bit different than what you'd normally get uh, with Joe and I. So I think that's pretty interesting, too, and his takes on the main event and, and his thoughts on on Cena and Undertaker and, and, and AJ Nakamura and, and everything that, that you get from uh, a hardcore wrestling fan. You're going to get that there with John Connor, which is really, really cool, a whole lot of fun. So we talk about his experiences that weekend, uh, why he decides to go, uh, a little bit about his music, and a little bit about the uh, unfortunate crisis still going on in his uh, hometown of Flint, Michigan. So uh, really good stuff there with that part two. But, uh, yeah, so we'll be back to full strength um, next week with Joe and I. But, uh, yeah, I think you'll enjoy this week's show as well with uh, part one with Jeff Hawkins and uh, part two with John Connor. But, anyway, uh, enjoy the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, guys, just want to let you know that this week's episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Simple Contact. And Simple Contact is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescriptions and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care for the 21st century. Instead of heading to the doctor every single year to renew your prescription for something you wear every day, just take a few minutes out of your day and do it on your own time and your own terms. So here's how Simple Contacts works. If you need to renew a prescription, you take a five-minute vision test from your phone or computer. It's then reviewed by a licensed doctor, reviewed by a licensed doctor, and then you receive a renewed prescription and you can reorder your contacts right there. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space. It, you cannot beat that. It's super easy. And if you have an, an expired prescription, you can just upload a photo of your doctor's information and order right from there. So if you want to get new lenses, you don't have to go through the test or whatever, you have the prescription right there, you take a quick picture, and you got it right away. You can reorder right away. Simple Contacts is awesome, and there's many reasons why they are. There's a million things demanding your time, and contact lenses should not be one of them. With Simple Contacts, you can renew your prescription and reorder contacts, again, from anywhere, in minutes. No more doctor's office, no more waiting rooms, none of that stuff. The vision test is self-guided. It takes less than five minutes, and that is so much time that you're going to save. It's reliable. As we said, it's designed by doctors and licensed ophthalmologists. Review every single test carefully to make sure that your eyes look healthy and that your vision has not changed. And the good thing about Simple Contacts as well is that they have all the brands and types of lenses that you are familiar with. So you will never have to shop around to find lenses at the best prices. Great for summer as well. Summer's just around the corner and there is no shortage of reason to have contacts on hand. If you're still dealing with glasses, what the hell are you doing? You got beach days, you got vacations, you got outdoor activities, you got wedding season. You don't want the glasses. Ditch the glasses. Use Simple Contacts, update your prescription, and stock up for the summer. The vision test of Simple Contacts is only $20. And by the way, if you go to <laughs> if you go to the eye doctor, you know that $20 is a great value. And the contact lens prices are unbeatable. Standard shipping is free. And best of all, we are offering a promotion to our listeners. All you have to do is go to simplecontacts.com slash VOW. That's simplecontacts.com slash VOW. You're going to get $3 off your first contact 
order, or you can enter code VOW at checkout. That's code VOW at checkout. Again, $30 off your first order. You're getting convenience. You're getting savings. You're getting all that at simplecontacts.com slash VOW, or use promo code VOW, 30 bucks off your first Simple Contacts order. Keep in mind, Simple Contacts is not a replacement for your periodic full eye exam. All right, and for part one of this uh, interesting edition, the Joe Landalish edition of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast, I have on a very distinguished guest, a man that I don't believe I've ever talked on audio with or direct. I, I will, you'll have to correct that if he remembers, but I do not remember. But it is one half of Shake Them Ropes. He is these post SmackDown, uh, one of the post SmackDown hosts on Fightful.com. It is Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, what's going on? We did the Cruiserweight Classic finale together. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Oh, remember those fine days. <laughs> that was a lot of fun from what I remember because both yeah. of us were so geeked up about yeah, it. Yeah, oh, right. We were screaming the entire time. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was like terrible audio, but we were just like, ah, it's great. Ah, everything's great. That was one of those great moments where it was like we were just so excited to do audio afterwards. It's, it's, you know, there's only been a few times and then we do it a little bit more now with the Patreon, but there's like, there was one of the War of the Worlds ROH shows that like I just texted Joe and I'm like, are you around? Like, let's do this. We have to talk about this right now. I think it was, might have been the first one with Kevin, uh, yeah, Steen and, and, and Nakamura or whatever. And then I remember that Cruiserweight Classic. We had talked about doing it, and I was so geeked up. And I remember us just like screaming. It's like, I need to talk to someone. Can you do it? Can you do right, it? And right. Rob couldn't well, do it. And, and you were around and go, I want to talk about this. And oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, my, one of my famous bit. ones, too, is after um, after Zane and, uh, and Neville, you guys did a, a post show, the, the Shake the Most yeah. post show. And I remember like I like took my dog outside, and I was like, we have to go for a walk. I have to like get some energy out. And then you guys were doing the show. And I'm like, I'm going to call in. And I just remember screaming about that on the streets as I'm walking my dog. And I was like, but I had to, like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't go to bed. I couldn't just, it was one of those things. And it's one of those nervous energy things, but hopefully we'll be a little I remember, down I, this time. I remember when we used to do post shows and we were motivated. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> So, so let me get this straight. No, hold on. You still do post shows, though. I do post shows. Let, let the people know. Yeah, no, I do, I do uh, the live SmackDown after after that, and I'll occasionally go over there and do live NXT or live pay per views for them. Um, so so you put Joe's wedding on a Patreon stream, huh? No, hold on. Joe put Joe's wedding on a Patreon stream. I merely posted it. I I I have some standards. I have my. That's a lie. I I don't really have standards, but that one was. I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't tell him he had to do it. He sent me a link and he said, put this up on Patreon. See, <laughs> see, now for the mythical Shake Them Ropes Patreon, I need Rob to get divorced. And for the $1 tier, get remarried. And for the, <laughs> right. for the $5 tier, you know, consummate. Or depending on how, uh, how how much trouble they have in the in divorce court, that could be a whole thing on itself. You could do the Patreon <laughs> lens of like, all right, day 15 of our divorce hearings. Like, who's going to split the hats? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, if it's around. contentious, it'd be awesome. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. So we need that. But uh, she's a lovely so, woman, so, I don't think. So, I don't so, think so, Rob, would, no. Rob can't do much better. So I think oh, he should no. stick with it. So. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy for both him and Joe. I'm, I'm just shocked a little bit if i may editorialize because hey everybody else gets to banter on here about progressive politics and other things <laughs> that's what this is all about yeah go Dear ahead lord joe is now in charge of raising america's youth yeah i know how do you feel about that not great <laughs> that's why i'm not having kids of my see, own because no, i don't want I any kids you. in this I world <laughs> i saw you as the daddy type no, I, did. I no, thought you were no. going to have, you know, 2.5 kids. So you'd have half a kid running around or something. But <laughs> no, I, I thought I, I thought for sure. Yeah. Rich sounds like fatherly. And then I hear Lanza. I'm like, man, that, after hearing all his like Tinder date stories and stuff, like that, I never thought he'd 
I thought he'd kind of like vocalize it as I'm not cleaning up another dude's mess. I got my own stuff to do. Right, yeah, I'm, like, I'm at, yeah, no, it's, it's it's very much like idiocracy for me. Like I we're we're the couple that like you know tries to have kids, can't even though we're not trying. By the way, we're not trying, so don't don't worry about it. But I'm just saying, like in the sense that you know, in the the show, all the and and again, Joe is not you know obviously the, the bottom barrel of Earth, but you know you got your smart, responsible people, and we're not going to have kids because we're better. You know, we're, we're we either can't or we don't want to, or if we even if we do, we have one, and then Joe's popping out kids left and right. Like he'll have nine or something like that. You know what I mean? There'll be just like thousands of Joe Lances. Oh my god. Around the place he'll have the two step kids he'll have nine of his own kids there'll just be dozens of lances running around screaming all over texas it'll be a complete disaster he's gonna have nine kids and a baseball field in his backyard and they're all gonna be wearing reds gear aren't they <laughs> yeah, the most odd texas uh family <laughs> in the world but uh no that's definitely great but uh yeah of course with joe not being here uh we got of course chef hawkins on there you can follow him at uh crap game 13 on twitter if you want to do that of course again as we mentioned co-host of shake them ropes on this here voice wrestling podcast network and he's also on the posts uh smackdown shows and a few other shows as well on fightful.com so jeff we got a lot to talk about today we're talking mostly wwe type stuff mm-hmm. um talk about the greatest royal rumble and uh the fact that it is indeed a royal rumble jeff i know that's going to be our big topic uh for oh, most of the day is that the greatest royal rumble is actually a royal rumble to the shock of many including yourself and and i'm, I'm sure you were just completely stunned and floored but thankfully the the good uh journalist justin Bassaro let us know the greatest royal rumble is a Royal Rumble, so that's good to know. Uh, we also got the Superstar Shakeup. We're going to break it down who uh, who came out on top and uh, who uh, maybe eh, didn't do so well and uh, a little bit about that. We also have uh, two unfortunate uh, stories to talk about in the world of pro wrestling. We have Paul Jones and Bruno San Martino, who uh, both died this week. Uh, we'll give our little thoughts on that. I don't think there's probably better outlets for your Bruno you know, <laughs> memorials than than this one or whatnot. I mean, Dave Meltzer, I know, did a, a pretty good job of it as well. Uh, they put up all the old on the Wrestling Observer website. I know they put up all their old interviews with Bruno San Martino as well. I know PostWrestling.com did a pretty good one as well. Uh, we're probably not going to be your hub for Bruno San Martino talk, but we still have to kind of talk about it a little bit. But uh, Paul Jones, I think we have some interesting thoughts. Uh, on him as well and then we'll uh, maybe touch on the Andre documentary as well I've seen a uh, majority of it I've seen most of it and I know you watched it and it was a big talking point uh last week so we'll kind of touch on that a little bit I don't think we're doing any hardcore uh Wrestlemania takeover nobody cares anymore like I've just you know I just got done watching Wrestlemania like a day ago nobody cares about my like ice cold thoughts on, like Ronda Rousey tag matches so uh we won't be doing any of it's that, it's two so. weeks out but I will I'll, I'll bring up something to you that I brought up to Rob, and since this is more of an indie centric show on on the Voices of Wrestling Network, sure. I am of the opinion that there are too many indie shows now at WrestleMania because it's now become so watered down that everybody's so overbooked that they're kind of going at half speed. So NXT is always going to win this weekend because they're going balls out in every match, whereas everybody else isn't. I mean, I want everybody to make money. Don't get me wrong on that front, but compared to like two years ago where the evolve shows basically were the talk of the weekend. And then you get to this year where it's like, you'll find a match on, on each show. That's very, very good to, to great, but you had a lot of inconsistency in, in the show quality itself. I I, I mean, how, how much did you watch? I've seen a little bit here and there. I mean, this weekend's going to be my big catch up, unfortunately. Like, again, like I won't be tweeting out thoughts because it's, it's like they're just ice cold, but I, I do want to watch a lot of the stuff. And I've seen a little bit here and there. And 
And without even seeing it, just knowing from the past WrestleMania weekends, and I touched on this a little bit in my previews as well, is, is we read all these cards and we get super excited and we get super excited and we go, oh my God, I can't wait to this guy and this guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. And that guy. But nobody can have nine great matches in three days. You, you know what I mean? Like there's there has to be some level. I mean, these guys are exhausted. Some of these guys wrestle, they're finished wrestling a show at 4 a.m. and then are up again at 9 a.m. wrestling. Like there's no way they're going to go out there and go, okay, well, let's have a killer match or a killer. So it has become a little bit more of a spectacle, like you're saying. I think a lot of the indie shows now are oh, this is a cool matchup, or oh, I can't believe I'm seeing these two guys here, or oh, this is a really good collection of talent or whatnot. But you're absolutely right that when it's all said and done, TakeOver is kind of only in the weekend because those guys have the time to really get in there, work on – I mean, like Gargano and – you know, look at Gargano and Champa and what they were able to do in that match and the stories they were able to tell in that match and, and how much they were able to do with that. Nobody else, none of the big indie stars in WrestleMania weekend could do that because they had to wrestle nine guys that weekend. You know, Matt Riddle has no chance of saying, all right, here's what I'm gonna do with you. And then I'm gonna do He can't construct nine great matches. He can't, you know, against a number of different opponents and guys that he's not around all the time. So TakeOver sort of worked in that way now where where it, it, it is, like you said, it, it is gonna kind of rise above because those guys are, are not wrestling a thousand times they're not wrestling a bunch and they have time to kind of plan out their matches and make them mean a little bit more where yeah there's some great matches during WrestleMania weekend great matchups but they tend to not really deliver as much as we would hope they kind of do and that's that's kind of been the prevailing thing a few in the last few years and it seems to be holding a little bit in New Orleans I haven't seen all the New Orleans stuff but from what I've seen it's kind of what I've seen as well from other people's thoughts yeah it's kind of transitioned now into almost gimmick shows where you know blood sport you had you had that it's a different type of show presentation you know janela's spring break um what's it oh beyond had a completely intergender card etc etc it's almost it's almost like that's how this is this problem is kind of going to be solved in terms of yeah you can't lay out nine great matches but you lay out a intergender match against you know kaylee ray here and then go across town and do a a (laughs) no ropes style kumite match against <laughs> Pierre Carl Ouellette or whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and three hours later so that you're not wearing yourself out. I think, I think it's cool in that way in terms of the specialization, in terms of the creativity of it all, but it's still, you know, when you hear the cards, it's like, Oh man, we're, you, you said perfectly. We're excited about these, like, Oh man, Minoru Suzuki and Jeff Cobb, awesome! But at the same time, you realize he has four more matches to wrestle this weekend, so it's not going to be the New Japan G One style match that we all want it to be. Yeah, and that, that is kind of a shame because it, it is like you get really juiced up for the weekend and get really excited for the weekend. But I, and I remember that even like I said from the past few years because I haven't you know dug into New Orleans all that much. But I do remember a few years ago it being like, oh my god, this show's great, this show's great, and, and like top to bottom great shows. And, and like you said, now it's more about the matchups and a little bit more about the gimmicks. Like this WrestleMania weekend, and I'm sure I'm I'm planning on going next year. I think I'm going to be more excited about your your blood sports, your Janellas, your your shows that are kind of off the wall and and, and whatnot versus your evolves and all that sort of things. Because I understand that, yeah, like a, a pure wrestling show, while there is value to seeing obviously these great matchups and these great wrestlers or whatever, you understand that most of those guys are not exclusive. Most of those guys are working a bunch of times that week, so so you're probably not going to get their best. Like if you go watch 
a random evolved show on a weekend, you know, any other weekend, you're probably going to get these guys better, you know, in, in, in a better state of mind. Whereas nobody wants to go balls to the wall unless they're only in a few things or unless balls to the wall means have fun and, 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 and have a little, you know, like a beer car roulette could have could bust his balls and, and have a great match. Cause that was it for him. He was just in this one little gimmick thing. It was kind of a joke or whatnot. And, and most of the guys at Janela, they busted their ass in making it as entertaining as possible. Not necessarily. I'm going to have a great five star, as you said, a G1 style special match or whatever. So it has become more of an attraction weekend more so than a big time match weekend. With that being said, takeover was, was I mean, great stuff. Oh, so bottom. I mean, yeah, it was t- such a great. Oh, so, so you did go to that live. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I was very jealous. It looked like an incredible show live. Yeah, and and the irony here is in in all our talking about this, and this will serve as a good transition, all those gimmicky shows are just there to entertain the people. And yet when we hear that on WWE television, we cringe about certain performers. Oh, he just loves to entertain. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, man, I hate hearing that every time on, on TV. That's like the old Dolph Ziggler thing. Like, ah, he steals the show. He entertains. Like, ah, I don't really want to. <laughs> yeah, you no way, Jose. He's here to entertain the people. Woo. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about a few, a few of these guys that were on that NXT show because we had the superstar shakeup. The former draft it is now a shakeup of superstars. Jeff, they shake up, they go places, they apparently get drafted. I don't know. They I guess they get traded sometimes, but not really that much anymore. Anyway. Um, Kind of the big news before the superstar shakeup happened, or a little, you know, a few days prior, obviously, that Paige now is going to take over SmackDown. Uh, Shane McMahon is presumed dead or something. I don't know. Well, I, I honestly, I didn't see it. What did they say the reason for Shane McMahon? He's just gone, or, or is it because he, I, what, why is Shane gone? I don't, have I missed something? I don't know if Shane is gone necessarily. He just, okay. he just says he's going to, he may not be around as much as, as, as usual. So that we need a GM because Daniel Bryan is no longer there. Right. So well, need something for Paige to do. Come on, Shane. That's kind of lazy. Jeez, <laughs> look, ah, I'm not going to be around that much. Yeah, now you're somebody else. But anyway, uh, that's cool. So we got Paige now as your new SmackDown GM. Kurt Angles and his whatever skin cone he is, he is still running Raw, so that's good. Uh, he still is the uh, GM that most resembles the color of his brand, so that is a positive. <laughs> uh, Paige could have, uh, Paige has a chance to, to match, uh, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes over the next few days. But uh, anyway, here were the results here. We're just going to kind of read the results of, of who went where, and then we'll kind of break it down then. After that, so this was the first night of the Superstar Shakeup. These are wrestlers that went from SmackDown Live to Monday Night Raw. So these were acquired by Monday Night Raw on the first night. You have Jinder Mahal, Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, the whole Riot Squad, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Zack Ryder, Fandango, Tyler Breeze, Natalia, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, making his uh, debut along with uh, Dolph Ziggler on the or not debut, re-debut, whatever the hell you want to call it for <laughs> the modern uh, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Connor Victor. I know you were pretty pumped about that. Bobby Roode, Mojo Rowley, <laughs> Mike Ellis. <laughs> Hold on. Hold, why would I be pumped about this? Oh, you're nothing if not the biggest Ascension fan in the world, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm a big Victor fan. I'll give him that. <laughs> not Connor? You don't like Connor? I, I didn't say I didn't like Connor. I just think Victor is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the whole team. I mean, the, the best thing, and we, we get on that that wormhole all the time of like going back and looking at how long those dudes have been on this roster. Like Connor goes back to like, forever. Like you wouldn't believe. Like he goes. Oh my god! It's like it, it's unbelievable to see the guys that he wrestled with when he was coming through developmental. And like it was like ten years ago. It was like more than ten years ago now at this point. It's just absolutely nuts for those guys. But uh, as I mentioned, uh, Mike Canellis. And uh, Chad Gable are your last two guys that went from SmackDown Live to Monday Night Raw. So, Jeff, what do you make of uh, the acquisitions by Raw? Um, first of all, Mike Kanellis, the only talent to my knowledge that has me blocked. I don't know why. I've never talked about Mike Kanellis all that much. <laughs> Maybe just block you because you 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 
talk to us. Maybe that could be a thing. I, we well, got... I think that could be. We're not blocked. Or... We have talked a lot of shit about that this guy. Why or... are we not blocked? Hold on a minute. We definitely used to be blocked by Mike Canellas. We are not anymore. Okay, it could be one of those so things where, where some, some, someone made a snarky comment and then tagged me, and then I got the drive-by block or something. I, I don't know. Wow, um, we used to, we definitely 100% used to be blocked by him. We are not anymore, so I don't know what happened. So there we go. Uh, my inclination on this is, number one, they took almost all of SmackDown's mid-card and put it on Raw uh, just for bodies. I mean, it's mostly characters or guys who can be red shirts and fed to the characters that they care about. That that's my overall impression right here. They're they're I mean, they got the chance to to solidify their character on SmackDown a bit. Here's the here's the sink or swim moment. We we put them on the A show and we see what we have. That that's my general initial thought on it. Yeah, and I think I, I kind of have the same thing as well because I saw a lot of people getting really upset. You're like, oh my God, Raw got all the terrible people. Oh, Raw got a really bad rap. Or, oh, Raw got a lot, a lot of crap. But when you really look at it, 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 it's more like you said, it's kind of, it's moving a lot of fodder from SmackDown over to Raw just because Raw obviously needs to fill a little bit more time. But it's like not top tier stars. And when you look at who went to SmackDown Live, it's not like, you know, Raw lost a ton of big time stars and only acquired a bunch of, you know, crappy you know mid card guys or whatever it's just kind of like it, it, there's really not a lot of, of big time talent going you know in a number of different directions of course you have kevin owens and Sami Zayn. they don't need to be on smackdown anymore they've kind of outlived the the, the entire smackdown story so they go to raw and i, th- I look at them as like a, a pretty good opportunity here because you look at uh, uh, you know the rest of the guys that came here and you know obviously the ascension bobby Roode and those sort of guys are just going to kind of fill out the mid card and, and, and do that sort of stuff i shouldn't have put those in the same category bobby Roode is obviously going to be a, a few a few rungs above uh the ascension but yeah i mean you look at Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and they sort of go there and 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 they can kind of make their mark and maybe go do some different things because it feels like they kind of outlived their worth on, on SmackDown and I'm excited to see what they do on Raw because I think that's a nice different dynamic but I, I can't really get upset about a lot of the other people because they're not really important people do you kind of get the same vibe as well well look you you have guys that you're that you need to feed. You need to feed Roman, you need to feed Braun, you may need to feed Lashley. I'm still not sure how they feel about him. And you're going to need to feed the authors of pain. So you're going to have all those bodies here. Everybody looking and even myself, when I did the Fightful show, we viewed this through the wrong lens. We were viewing this as who's going to have the better wrestling show. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. It really doesn't in to, to the company. What they're looking for is who can we market? Who can we put on there? Who seems like a big deal? And who can we put the rocket behind and who is central in their character? Who is ready for that proverbial rocket to be strapped to their back or whatnot? So you have a guy like Jinder Mahal, who we all grown at watching SmackDown because we don't want to watch him wrestle guys we like. But you put him on Raw and he kind of fits over there. He's he's a, he's big. He's tall. He's muscular. He's an evil foreign heel gimmick. He's. He's in the central casting wheelhouse of Vince McMahon, because I always I talk about Vince McMahon as if he's uh, like a 50s studio mogul. He's always kind of casting for type for his stories. You know, he has his giant monster. He has his hero. He has his leading lady. He has all these certain archetypes that he kind of gravitates towards as long as they're competent in the ring. You know, he doesn't need a. he's not looking for five star matches, which Mm. is what we're looking for. He's looking for marketable commodities so him the the interesting one to me is drew mcintyre because i'm virtually certain vince mcmahon has not seen any of drew mcintyre's 
Drew Galloway run in any of the Indies. I think that is a very good assumption by you, Jeff. I do not. I don't know if he was pouring over, refreshing his uh, his flow slam to try to get a Drew Galloway match. To, to, to him, he's probably still the chosen one. Right, right. Coming in and, oh, we'll stick it with Ziggler to see what the kid has still, as opposed to knowing what he has. So that's that to me is, is fascinating in some ways because we'll see if he's evolved and he knows how to how do I put this assert himself in a way where his character will be different in the eyes of whoever's backstage giving ideas. Right, right. Well, actually it's a good point not, not to interrupt with the Drew McIntyre thing. If people remember, I mean, that guy was on a trajectory and they love that guy. They were putting, I mean, he literally was called the chosen one. They were putting hit the rocket, you know, like you said, kind of the rocket back on him. A lot of the issues though, uh, was it Tiffany? was, was her WWE name. Was it, yes. wasn't that who was, yeah. And obviously her issues, cause a lot of it similar to it's kind of like a Rusev effect that a lot of people maybe forget what Drew McIntyre is they didn't really dislike the guy they disliked his, his girlfriend and 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 that became an issue they I, did they get married I don't remember if they were married or just boyfriend girlfriend at that point but it was a lot of issue of that of of, of, of who you know you're sort of with and having with John Morrison for a while as well where those guys it's like hey look you know and the, the W's kind of always weird about that if they don't like you know <laughs> who you're spending your time with or whatever they will tend to kind of take it out on you but there's a good chance that they think very highly of Drew McIntyre that that this is sort of a test run hey let's see what he can do but I don't have a doubt in my mind that Vince McMahon still sees Drew McIntyre, sees how big he is, sees how he carries himself and thinks, oh, we, we got something in this guy. And maybe he remembers back to what he had in him and realizes, hey, look, he doesn't have that. He's sort of matured beyond her and he's matured since the last time we've had him. And he's ready to go, even if he doesn't understand that Drew Galloway is this guy that can go and, and be a man of honor right away. I think for him, you kind of ignore the last whatever five years and go back to, okay, this is our guy that we thought very highly of a few years ago, who now is back in a, in, in a better frame of mind. So let's see what we can do here. So he's actually a sleeper. People might be kind of sleeping on, on, on how big of an impact he could have on Raw. Yeah, and, and maybe he pulls out a couple of these moves he was pulling out at like PWG or Evolve, and, and then all of a sudden that that wakes Vince McMahon up to what he actually has as opposed to sure. working the quote-unquote style. And you're like, oh, man, this guy's gotten so much better since he left. That's a possibility, but it's also a possibility he just goes back into the same type of, you know, you know, the Alberto Del Rio syndrome where he comes back and basically works the same match he was working before. I, I hope not. I think I think working with Dolph is going to be an interesting, um, interesting dynamic. And I think they're going to be put in the tag situation, um, you know, and you have guys like this who who I think they're looking for someone to do something and to make a move because we know you have character. We put you on SmackDown. We gave you kind of a push over there. Now, in that, okay, you finished dress rehearsal and make no bones about it. Raw is still the A show in their eyes. So we're bringing you over here. Assert yourself. You know, your Bobby Roode is in that category. I think Mojo Raleigh's in that category. Dolph Ziggler's in that category. Jinder Mahal's definitely in that category. You know, your red shirts are going to be, you know, your Zack Ryder's, your, your Brizongo, even though they gave him a win to, to, you know, to start with. So people get behind them a bit, you know, Mike Canellis, I think is going to be put there. Um, Baron Corbin, I think is another guy that they they really want something from. So he's going to have to do something. Um, but I think they're very interested in making him a star because he's tall and he's, and he's big and he has the tough guy background. So there's a potential that, you know, while he didn't give the greatest matches on SmackDown, he, he could still be a star on raw. And I think that's, that's always what people kind of miss is is like when they brought Elias up, everyone was like, man, he, he wasn't that good in, in NXT. What's, what's he going to do? He has a hook. He has a gimmick. As long as he stays strong to the gimmick and is competent in the ring, 
he'll continue to be used on Raw. And and that's the same for for most of these guys. Now, the women, it, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, I think it was smart to switch out the Riot Squad and Absolution because you want to keep – I mean, mo- most of these moves on the women's division were meant to help Ronda Rousey to be the focal point of the division. Right. So you get, so you get the MMA – the person with the MMA gimmick – off of the same show. Yeah, that's huge for Sonya Deville, by the way. And we've mentioned yes. that on, on the flagship as well. We were very worried of like the world where Rousey and Sonya Deville exist because Sonya Deville doesn't exist in that world because one of them gets paid a million dollars and the other is Sonya Deville. But I thought that was a masterful job by them. So to get Sonya Deville away so you can still kind of have her be her and it doesn't feel watered down or it doesn't feel like she's the secondary MMA girl. You know what I mean? Th- th- yeah. That wasn't going to fly. They were going to change her gimmick one way or another. I mean, that, yeah, they're no, just she- not going to have that. So it, it, it's interesting. We'll see if they kind of retain it, but I, I feel like they will now that she's on a different brand and can kind of be her own person away from but, Rousey. Yeah, but that move helps both her and Mandy Rose be able to, you know, kind of find what they do well a little bit more out of the quote-unquote spotlight of the A-show. And then when they get brought back, we can see what they have. But, you know, Ruby Riot's a character ready to go, I think. I think she's she's probably the best out of those three. I know that they, they probably see something in Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan was there supposedly to take bumps uh, for the other ladies. The Natty one is interesting to me. Um, I understand the story, you know, training partner who will eventually turn. And, you know, it's kind of the Charlotte uh, mold because because when Natty went down to NXT to do the match for takeover with, with Charlotte, that was a lead Charlotte through the paces of having a very, very good match. So that that to me is the natty call. I'm a little surprised that Charlotte was not put on this show, but they're going to keep the two of them away, I guess, uh, for at least half a year before they have to build for for mania. So um, right now you have Ronda, you have your Bailey and, and Sasha feud, and I'm still a little bit shocked that one of them wasn't moved and you have people that you can feed to Ronda. So that's how I see the women's division there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think more than anything, and it's a point you kind of brought up a little bit as well, is we look at, you know, the numbers, and we'll, we'll get to SmackDown here in a sec, because obviously they got far fewer people on here, but but you sort of mentioned it a little bit, but it's a lot about feeding guys, too. It's a lot about, okay, and 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 it in some ways does feel, it's not quite to the extent, but it does feel a little bit like the, the original brand split, or, you know, it sort of happened shortly after the brand split, where SmackDown became kind of your wrestling show, your, yeah. your hot one-on-one contest or whatever, and Raw was your story show. There was the big stars, the big larger-than-life stars. And then a lot of fodder, but you need that. You, you if you're going to build those big time stars, they need to beat fodder. You know, they can't just be wrestling the same guys over and over again. You can't just con- constantly have the same guys fighting each other constantly. You know, I, you need that. You need the the guys that are just going to lose. And like uh, Mike Canellis, like a Mojo, like those guys are kind of designed to do that and fill out a three hour show right now. I mean, it, we we kind of forget that it being three hours, it needs more people. And 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 I'm all for it if it means that you know Tyler Breeze or whatever is just going to lose a bunch. I don't. That's fine with me. I'd rather that I'd, I I'm cool with that being the story of is those guys, you know, sort of being fed to the bigger guys and the bigger guys sort of getting their own thing. Whereas SmackDown and, and we'll read the roster here in a bit. It does feel like every move there was designed for the most part to be, Hey, here's a guy that's going to add a lot to the roster and can have great matches, have competitive matches. They don't feel like lower run guys. They don't feel like high guys. They feel like just like this roster is going to be a lot of people kind of moving up, moving down, you know, having good matches, having these little micro feuds or whatever. That's the way I read it right now. And I think that's kind of what they were going for with this. I we'll, we'll see how it plays out when it's all said and done, not to the extent as the original brand split where it was obviously a, a big, you know, difference, but I, I, I get a little bit of a feel from that. Cause Rod definitely feels like the entertainment show now more than ever. Yes. And, and this was, you know, 
like you said, when we had the SmackDown six era, um, I think a lot of it's going to go the same way. If they start getting more buzz on SmackDown, something's going to be done to quash that much like when they originally had the split talking smack was all the buzz. Vince saw it once and hated it. So it got canceled. So, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's interesting. Let, let's. Uh, I will uh, defer to you. Yeah, um, let's let's do the SmackDown roster here. So these were the following uh, stars that went from Raw to SmackDown Live. This is during the second night of the Superstar Shakeup. Uh, you had United States Champion Jeff Hardy. Long story. Go look it up. You'll figure it out. But uh, Jeff Hardy uh, is moving to SmackDown Live, as you mentioned before. Uh, Manny Rose and Sonya Deville uh, going to SmackDown. Samoa Joe. Big cast when he returns. Asuka, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Cesaro, Sheamus, R Truth. The Miz, and then uh, three new arrivals, or well, I guess a few more <laughs> than three. Uh, Rivals from NXT, you have Andre Dessin Almas, uh, Zelina Vega, of course, the manager of Almas, and then Sanity, Eric Young, Alexander Wolf, and Killian Dane. So, Jeff, I'll start off first uh, with the NXT arrivals. You got Almas, uh, fresh off his NXT title or NXT championship run, uh, with Zelina Vega, of course, as manager, and Sanity. What do you make of them to coming to SmackDown, coming to the main roster? Uh, I like the Almas and Zelina Vega call. I, I really do. I think the, they're going to fit in well with, you know, these Daniel Bryan's AJ Styles types that we're going to be able to have some more good matches within there. I think, man, if you talk about a star who did a complete 180 just with a little tweak, the addition of Vega a, as a manager just did wonders for this guy. And she is there not to be a wrestler on the women's roster but to get heat with ranas that that's her only goal really is to interfere do with the occasional rana against the men and and help things for um almas i i i'm still of the opinion they should let him cut his promos in spanish as opposed to trying to do the english thing because i think his arrogance comes out much more in his native tongue than than trying to speak english but she's a very good mouthpiece i'm 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 a little surprised that they didn't pull the trigger on him going to to 205, but I'm happy they didn't. I think he's this is a main event act. Yeah, I do too. I think it projects main event wise, and like you said, it gets that heat. And 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 yeah, no, I, I would have I'd have been very disappointed at 205 live. Like we might have gotten better matches when it's all said and done, but I think there's a little bit more to almost than just those good matches like that we saw that develop over the last six months we saw that that character can be something huge it can be something fun it can be it, i mean shit I, the sky's the limit now i mean this was a guy that was on the edge of like maybe getting released i, I, Being I, released. I, I yeah, thought like, he was gonna be released i thought so too and even if he wasn't gonna be released it was like we'll put a fork in this guy he's just gonna hang around i i thought hideo with i thought it would be this guy that's just there mm-hmm. and you're like oh yeah jonathan almost yeah remember when he was good and now he's there like i thought he was that guy and it's like in, in as you said one little tweak and a little bit of comfort was all it took for this guy to just com- become a complete star. And yeah, this guy's the limit now. So that's why I would hate to see him on 205 Live because I think that puts a ceiling on him right away. Fairly or unfairly, that's kind of the 205 Live ceiling. Whereas now on SmackDown, I, I don't see any reason why in a year's time we can't be talking about him as one of the top stars of that brand. You, you know, and, and and he's got all the, the ability to do that. He's got the, obviously the manager. He gets the heat. He can work. He can go. He's. It, it's just, yeah, I think it's all there. And that's, I, I love the idea that he's on a main roster. And I, I think SmackDown's the perfect one for him to do that too because it wouldn't be totally unreasonable if he made his way to the top of SmackDown. You put him on Raw, he's going to get lost in the land of, yes. uh, of Reigns, of the land of, of Brock when he comes, and the land of a few of these guys. SmackDown, you can it's always felt like that. And that goes historically back. SmackDown has always been the brand where where that guy can sort of rise up that you might not have thought that that guy could be the star, the JBL effect, you know, you know, in, in some ways, even a lot of ways, the Eddie Guerrero effect where those guys sort of move up the ladder and get there. And yeah, I, I say it with almost like I, it, it, I, I would not be stunned if in a year's time where he's, you know, 
the, the, the main guy or one of the main guys on SmackDown. I think it's absolutely possible. He's a star that can be cultivated, and you're exactly right. Had they put him on the Raw um, roster, he, he'd have drowned because they have the guys that they know that they want to push right now. So all, all you'd have to do for Almas is basically feed him to one of those guys, and he'd be dead because nobody would would care. Here you can kind of you can protect him a little. You can build him a little. You know, I, I love the uh, – the, the La Sombra entrance with the mask where he takes it off and goes for big matches. I think that's great. I think that's going to get him over huge. I, I, I just, yeah, SmackDown is the right place for him. It's the worker show. I My concern about this entire thing, and I'll get into sanity in a moment, but this is not, this is not a show that exhibits out of the box thinking <laughs> now you you I, how dare you be smirch road dog jesse james here. i'm not how be smirching the road dog jesse james because i don't know if it's necessarily his fault right 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 you know he may be uh he may have a certain set of guidelines he may have to follow in booking shows but you know <laughs> everybody's already made the joke if they do a damn six woman tag match <laughs> They're gonna throw their televisions out because, yeah, it's not, it's not a. See, this roster is awesome on paper, but in practice, it's if if you don't have out of the box thinkers, it's it's just gonna be a SmackDown show with these guys on it, just plugged in different roles. So I, you know, I I have my doubts at times that that people that it's gonna be this great show that people want it to be. I think people need to curb their expectations just a little bit now as for sanity i think sanity has absolutely outkicked its coverage in any way just through having great big time matches on nxt takeover like when alexander wolf pulling out you know going crazy in the match where they won the tag titles and then again being an insane person in the war games Killian Dane kind of the same way. He's kind of that big guy that they have a lot of, but he doesn't have a great look, so they never know what to do with him. I mean, he's been around. He was introduced at last year's Battle Royal, so you expected him to get brought up then. He wasn't. He's kind of been the big burly guy to go after big burly guys. They put him against Sullivan. They put him against, you know, Cassius Ono, et cetera, et cetera. They looked kind of like... I mean, they have groups like this on the roster already. These, these are the Wyatt brothers. These are uh, the authors of pain in some ways. Ascension. The, 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 the Ascension, yes. We're here, to, we're here to cause chaos, but we never actually cause any chaos type of gimmick. Now, I am as upset as anybody that Nikki Cross was not announced. I think Nikki Cross is fantastic. Um, I am head of the Shake Them Ropes Nikki Cross fan club. Oh, you know what? I, yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah, you're right. That hmm. Now... I think that there might be some cleverness within this. I, I'm not certain of that. She may just be being kept down there so that she gets a program with Shayna Baszler. I don't know. But imagine if you debut Sanity next week saying it's Eric Young, Alexander Wolf, and Killian Dane, and they get into a fight of some kind, a Donnie Brooke against a mid-card tag team, maybe even the Good Brothers, and Nikki Cross just comes out, gets on the top rope, and jumps on everybody. That's a debut. And that gets Sanity instantly over, in my opinion, as a unit. I think she's an integral part of Sanity, and I think she'll be added sooner than later. I'm hoping that this is just kind of an unannounced thing to build anticipation for when she actually appears. It'll be a moment. 
but I also don't hold it against them if they if they're keeping her down because hey, we have too many women on the roster already. Let's build up the new ones that we have. Yeah, and I like Nikki Cross a lot as well. So I wonder if there may be like because you said she's an integral part of Sanity, and I absolutely agree. But I wonder if maybe they think that there's a little bit more for her, and that maybe having her come in and just be a part of this unit maybe saddles her with this forever or whatnot, or or lowers her ceiling. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I don't think I agree with that, but. I think there is a lot more for her. I mean, I think her ceiling is very high, and I think she can be a, a, a huge deal. Maybe that's their thought: is hey, let's let's not th- this unit is here to kind of be fodder, so we're not really gonna you know saddle her with that. We want her to be bigger. But I like the idea that, uh, of her in there because I think she can be more while still being a part of that unit. Like that's that's one thing that WWE always kind of struggles with when people are in units; they're like always in that unit and they can never like go do their own thing. But like Nikki Cross in NXT, we see just does her own thing a lot of times. She's in women's matches; she's in her own shit. But then when Sandy needs her she can she'll help out or she'll do this or she'll you know come out and and do stuff with them but she can still kind of be her own person and do her own thing but WWE is very you know when when you're in a group it's like you always come out together you do everything together your Mm -hmm. feuds are always together everything you're just always together and it's like no you could have her just be a part of the group but do her own thing but they they don't really do that all all that often so and and they've even painted themselves into a corner in this way this week on Smackdown television by putting Naomi in there with the Usos as a part of the Bludgeon Brothers thing. Now, what are they going to do with the Bludgeon Brothers? Are they going to add a woman to go in there because they're not going to attack Naomi? So they they do this. They paint themselves in corners with, with these types of stable wars that never really evolve. But then again, I mean, that's also my complaint about Jeff Hardy in many ways. I, I like Jeff Hardy. I enjoy watching his matches. But he, there's been no character development of Jeff Hardy in 20 years. I mean, he's still wearing the same type of gear, doing the same kind of moves, having the same kind of matches time after time. And that's fine. I mean, as Tanahashi so so aptly put it, in my opinion, you know, WWE is McDonald's in many ways. You get you, you're going if you walk in, you're going to get what you know, and it's going to be made the same way. Um, I just my, my opinion of the SmackDown moves mostly is they're, they're getting enough star power in Vince's opinion to to sustain themselves. We want these great matches. I don't know if they want these great matches. Right. That's, that's my concern. Cause I'm looking at this roster and going, Oh man, you could have that great match and that great match and that great match on these big cards. It's just getting there. Is going to be the problem without going 50, 50 or being terrible. And the elephant in the room is big Cass, who <laughs> big Cass has a, uh, won't 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 no one rid me of this meddlesome priest type of effect in him in that if you're programming him with Daniel Bryan, which appears to be the plan right now, Daniel Bryan may get great matches out of Cass. He may improve him a lot, but if Cass gets excited and kicks him in the head accidentally, well, you no longer have a Daniel Bryan problem anymore. Now, do you? Um, I've seen people speculate that they want to put him with the Miz. I think that's a bad idea. I think that's just rehashing Enzo. Yeah, I would do that. Again. I would not do that. I think it's I think you can make him partners with people, but I don't think you make him muscle for people. Um you know, if, if he's a guy that can't talk, he, we need to know he can't talk. We can't hide him behind a guy with a mouth and hope that he picks it up eventually once we decide to break him up. We've already been down that road once. We have to do something different with him. I would have I would have even changed up his look a little bit more, to be honest with you, bringing him back, but this is how they're going to do it. Um, I think Samoa Joe's fantastic. He's the best promo on this roster. 
And yeah, he's Ron, one of those I guys. Love SmackDown. That's so oh, good because it's it's it, oh. it always felt like he was kind of fighting that uphill battle on Raw, like we said with a lot of those guys, where you're like that pseudo because like Samoa Joe needs to be more than just kind of a mid card guy or like a fodder guy. But it's hard to believe that he would be that top tier star, the guy that would sort of run the car. I think he could be, but I, I, they probably don't think that, and they probably never were going to think that, even though he had a little blips here and there. But man, on SmackDown, he can be like I said, that guy that's just like they can just have a lot of upper mid carders that are always in these battles and in these feuds and, and have great matches. And I think that's the perfect role for him right now. He doesn't have to be the star of the brand, but he can be one of those guys that the utility guys that if you need a big time in event, he can give it to you anytime you he's, want. No, he's he's the monster heel. He's the best heel on this roster, and he's the guy that can have the matches that'll make Randy Orton happy, AJ Styles happy, you know, Daniel Bryan happy, while Shinsuke kind of continues to grow his presence as a heel on this roster. And I, I think that's a brilliant move on their part. Um, I am not as high as some on Cesaro and Sheamus as a team coming over here. No, nah, I'm kind of done with the team, to be honest. Like, I, am, I like I, it. In, individually, put them in this mix, and it's fine. Yes, right. Um, as a team, we've seen them against the New Day. We've seen them against the Usos already. They're, they're, not, they're not a traditional tag team. They're two singles wrestlers who do their singles moves as a team. So that's my issue with kind of them. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Um, they're fine. They're the guys. They're the guys that are gonna be fed. Some, some are thinking maybe they get connected with AJ again. I don't. Guys, <laughs> come on. It's it's probably not. You know, like I. No, the most clever thing I heard was was oh, you pretend that they're gonna go with AJ and you stick him with Nakamura, and that'd be that'd, that'd be, be kind of cool. That'd actually be pretty. That'd cool. be kind of cool. I liked that a lot the thing that disappoints me a little bit is this women's division and, and don't get me wrong. I love Oscar. I love Charlotte. I love Becky Lynch. That is a baby face, heavy, mm-hmm. heavy division right now. And with Naomi, who's still, I mean, judging from the pop she got during the battle Royal, she's just as popular as any of those three. Yeah. Right. And you have them up against Carmella and the Iconics. I like the Iconics a lot. I think they've been doing a heck of a job. I like this Carmella character. I think giving her the belt right now, this is her, as I like to put her, Alexa Bliss audition. Can she carry this character and do some amount of stardom? To, even though she's not going to have the best matches in the world, can she become that character that you just can't take your eyes off of when she's on the screen, which is what helped Alexa Bliss when she was SmackDown champion eventually get the call over to Raw, in my opinion. But you have these three women who can put on awesome matches and they're all on the same side. And, you know, it's not that Peyton Royce and Billy Kay are bad, but right now they haven't built built up to that credibility. And Charlotte has a real problem being a, a baby face because watching her have to work from underneath is you have to kind of give up your believability in many mm-hmm. ways. She doesn't work well from underneath, you know, unless you have someone who's taller and Peyton and Billy are both tall, which helps them immensely in this. I don't know what they're going to do with Oscar here. Yeah. she feels like she's kind of lost in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and after mania, I kind of have that feeling as well. It's like, you, you, and it's one of the issues when you build up a win streak and you build it up and that's all that the defining it's it, not unlike a Goldberg thing where it's like, all right, what's next. And it's like, mm, I, we don't know. Like this is kind of all we've done. And, and that's one of my issues. And I, I'm, I'm willing to obviously give it time and, and, and see what they sort of think about Oscar, but this is not a good first move. And, and, and her on this roster, I could just see it just, it, it's a weird fit right now. And I just, I don't see the path forward for Oscar right now. And that's, 
I mean, I'm not saying she's getting released or whatever, but it's like they're going to have to completely reinvent what they do because she doesn't have the win streak anymore. So now there needs to be another thing about Asuka. There needs to be something can't, different. She, yeah, she can't be a killer, but at the same time, she can't be weak. So you don't know right, where exactly right. to put her, and you don't want to have her overshadow Charlotte if you are if you are building the Ronda and Charlotte. So yeah, that's going to be an interesting and Ron and uh, Ron Killings. Our truth is there for bad, slightly uh, cringeworthy comedy. Yeah, that's I forget <laughs> that he's even there sometimes. Like he's uh, there was a time I forget what it was. It was like a time a few weeks ago where I was looking at something. I was like, oh yeah, our truth. Yeah, he's he's still there that's pretty good and the Miz is there as well we mentioned the Miz a little bit uh he was um moved over as well thoughts on on him going to uh to Smackdown um a little surprised he didn't bring the Miz Taraj with him uh because I think that's a good act I, you know look if he can cut the promos he was cutting on talking smack with Daniel Bryan that's a hot feud give that to me give that to me I'm anticipating the match I'm not one of those people who goes, you know, the Miz brings down the people he's in the ring with necessarily because the Miz can talk. So it, it, to me, that gets me in the building. I'm an old school guy like that. Um, and I think they need a guy like the Miz because right now you have Samoa Joe as a heel. You have Shinsuke who's kind of getting his, his bearings as a heel and you need that cocky kind of chicken shit heel on, on the upper mid card. And that, that's who Miz can be. All right, so that is what we have right now for the Superstar Shakeup. Uh, we'll see, of course. I'm sure things will move around. Like, I remember, I, fi- I figured, I, was the last shakeup where they, like, realized that a few people were on the wrong rosters or didn't yes. quite work and they moved some people over, like, quietly or whatnot? Oh, so let, me, see, let, sure. me, let me backtrack real quick because there's one I missed that I wanted to bring up and talk to you. Uh, Chad Gable. Oh, getting yeah. An- remember him? That was get- Getting announced on Twitter, <laughs> which is not, which is one of two things. It's either... Very, very negative, or it's they want to keep it under the radar for when they reintroduce him. I think I think he's going to get reintroduced in a feud with Jason Jordan, probably. Oh, I don't think it's going to be the team. I think it's going to be a feud, and I, I just think he's going to be the the little guy who's there to make other guys look good before he gets killed. That's oh, what I'm man, kind of reading. And I think that guy, that guy has so much talent. Oh God! I I I saw it. I saw like the and, and there's like the thumbnail when they announced him, and you can just see like the pain in his eyes. It's just like oh God! Like he's so good. He's I mean, this is a guy who yeah, two years ago we were talking about like the the sky's the limit for this guy. Like it's unbelievable what they could do with him if they ever. But you know, it is what it is. And of course, yeah, see, having him in front of Vince and and any occasion is probably not a good idea. And that's, that's right. Always going to be an issue because look at this short guy yeah. whose ass could he kick? Right? <laughs> yeah, he's like a champion wrestler, but. Yeah, I didn't think about the Jason Jordan thing. I don't know about Chad Gable, man. It's it. Ugh. I would almost, yeah, I, I was gonna say it'd be better if uh, he'd be better on SmackDown, but he was on SmackDown. They didn't really give a shit about that. I don't know. I don't know what to do with Chad Gable anymore, man. It sucks because he's he's really good. Connor and Victor, they were announced. The essential was announced on like Instagram, right? Or was yeah, it Snapchat? Or was it even worse? I'm wondering. I'm wondering what's the worst social network that you could like tout if they like dust <laughs> off tout and said that someone got changed there, like that. If that would be, I'm, I don't know what the worst. And that's on WWE's Discord chat. Right. <laughs> WWE Slack chat. All of a sudden, yeah. Connor and Victor, a, a, a fan room full of redditors. Yeah. His, <laughs> Yeah, they could have done an like, ask me anything, and then like midway through the ask me anything, it could have been, oh yeah, Connor Victor, they've been moved over to the, the, the uh... <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's yeah, Chad Gable on Twitter, Connor Victor on on Instagram. It tells you a lot about where they're at right now, but uh, yeah, Chad Gable, that's 
that's disappointing. But uh, let's stick with WWE land here. Um, coming up next Friday, Jeff, the greatest Royal Rumble taking place in Saudi Arabia, April 27th. Uh, quick little breakdown of the matches. These might change by the time you listen to this. I don't know anymore with this card. I'm just going to list what's listed right now. Who the hell knows? Uh, you have a 50-man Royal Rumble, the greatest Royal Rumble match, which, as we talked about at the top of the show, uh, SI's Dustin Bizarro says that that is indeed going to be a Royal Rumble match. The greatest Royal Rumble will indeed be a Royal Rumble. Not 50 people starting out in a bad Royal format. Uh, though I kind of want he gets, he gets paid for that insight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this for free and possible dick pills from a sponsor or something, and he's getting paid for hey, you got those watches guy i never got one of those well, that's true watches, so that's true the watches. Your <laughs> hey, i, I look, got scooped on the watch i thought hey. i was getting a watch and they said oh i'm sorry that's just for shake them ropes so well, well, oh, okay. well 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 who spent all the fashion budget when we had it those wasn't days? me i only got one i got a polo shirt well okay fine i got nothing I like, the other three of you hey, got stuff. hey I got that's not nothing. my fault do not blame me for that I, know. I, I always say did jeff get his cut so that's you know that's I'm always looking out for you, but we got the greatest. I, I really do want, I'm really disappointed that it's not actually a battle royal because the idea of seeing 50 men <laughs> in a ring, like, I don't even know if it's possible, but I'd love to see, like, some guys are, like, on top of other guys, like, you know, Big Show's got someone on his shoulders or whatever. Like, the idea of just trying to get 50 people cramped into a ring at once and then see the madness of, like, a battle royal, like, that shitty format would be incredible. But uh, Man, they're going to do a seven-hour show in Saudi Arabia. And try and wear out that audience. That's gonna, <laughs> that could that could lead to like revolts and stuff. We might be yeah, in that's trouble here. Be, like, what are the, the like the crew that is going to be working that show too? Think about those guys, like the ring crew guys that are wearing like you know. If, uh, if you see mo- most of them, I mean, they're wearing like pants and like button ups. You got your announcers, like that's a lot, man. <laughs> Especially there, like I, I I don't know. It's going to be crazy to see how, how that works. I mean, WrestleMania is already really cutting it a lot and this is i man I, and this entire card is a middle finger to anybody who sat through wrestlemania pretty much yeah because this actually i'm, I'm actually looking forward <laughs> to this card way more than i am wrestlemania so i'm pretty excited about this greatest Royal Rumble because i like royal Rumble matches when people got upset yes. that there was a women's royal Rumble, i don't give a fuck give me 15 royal Rumbles throughout the year i don't care i fucking love a royal Rumble. i will anytime i'm looking to just waste time or i'm going to do something and i want to put something on the network in the background it's a, almost 100 percent of the time just an old royal rumble because it's like, cool, 91 row. You can watch any of them. It doesn't matter. They're always fine. They're always fun. You always see something enjoyable in them. There's not a bad Royal Rumble. It's it's like pizza. You know, even the worst Royal Rumbles are still pretty. Yeah. Pretty no, solid. Uh, yeah. You know, if they ever gave me a bunkhouse stampede, I'd be happier than pig and shit, man. <laughs> uh, we got Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, a steel cage match for the uh, Universal Championship. Uh, Jeff, do you think uh, title changes hands here in Saudi Arabia? I think it's possible. I, I don't know if it's probable, but I think it's certainly possible. I mean, I guess, oh, sorry, go ahead. It, yep. it, it's an easy crowd, I think. I don't think you're going to have the jaded, you know, <laughs> oh, this crowd, sometimes they boo people. You're bizarro world. This is Saudi Arabia's bizarro world. And yeah. that would be not totally false. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Please piss off. Piss off Saudi Arabia on your biggest card there. That'd be that'd be fantastic. They, they throw Toronto under the bus every time, but I don't think they're gonna say that about Saudi Arabia. I think these weird gonna... Saudis. What yeah. the hell are they doing? They're so backwards. They don't even know what's what. They're booing the good guys and <laughs> cheering the bad. Yeah, I don't think that's like gonna happen. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know that you're gonna get your super smart. I do. I would love it though if Reigns comes out and everybody's booze because <laughs> they might just think that that's what you're supposed to do. You know what yeah, I mean? Saw, <laughs> oh, I saw it on TV. They move Roman Reigns right, like, over there. That's what we're that. supposed to do. <laughs> Vince comes out, his music hits yeah. and stuff like that. No, God you damn it, <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what I want. I, I want him a, the title just cheer for I him. Want, I, want, I want Vince to come out and berate this Saudi crowd and yeah. take his chances. Yeah, you do that. Just rips that check in half, goes, I don't even want it anymore. <laughs> so he wants it. Money. But then he puts oh. the pieces back together and puts it in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean that. Sorry. Uh, ladder match for the Intercontinental <laughs> Championship. Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and The Miz. That sounds fucking awesome. Oh, no, I'm all about that. I'm all about a good ladder match with, like, four or less participants. That's what I like. I, I Look, that, that NXT match was phenomenal. Money in the Bank is its own thing, but the more people you get in there, the more car crash spots you need, the the more the more carnage there is and the more yeah, chance the more of injury. Around, the more lying around as well. Like that when you yeah. have like six guys and it was evident in the NXT match, which I still loved, but I mean, there was like 10 whole minutes where Ricochet, you're like, what, where did Ricochet go? Like what's he been doing? And like, Ricochet, was, went, into, Ricochet went into REM sleep during his time. <laughs> was like, That's how long he was out. I, I, I actually rewound. Cause I was like, did he do a huge spot that I missed? Like, and there was some little things and I remember him doing something, but I'm like, did he get carted off? Like I, where the hell is Ricochet? And then he would like come in and do like a four. I'm like, Oh yeah, there he is. But it's like, yeah, when you get six people, they're can't that guys because you can't just be like in the ring doing nothing because then why wouldn't you just climb up the ladder and, and get the title so you have to be taken out or like lay on the ground like you said in rem sleep for, for a you know that moment fine. that moment they make that 50-man royal rumble of a ladder match is, is when we're gonna hit <laughs> pure singularity right there and then that's gonna be you know probably for you know the united arab emirates or something like that and so <laughs> right there i mean we're looking at that we got a royal rumble a steel cage and a ladder match ladder match i'm i'm i, I think you agree with me as well similar to the pizza metaphor like even mm. a bad ladder match is still pretty solid so we got yes. two matches that at most will be entertaining and most steel cage matches are pretty good you know maybe not in WWE as much but it's brock lesnar and roman reigns so i have no doubt that that's gonna be pretty solid as well so definitely looking forward to that um it depends if brock's got his working boots on which <laughs> we'll see but uh when he's in saudi arabia maybe not but uh i don't know if brock if you cut the check brock will work his ass off for you so that's all you need you got aj styles and shinsuke nakamura for the WWE championship jeff hardy versus jinder mahal for the united states championship we'll go back to styles and nakamura there uh opportunity for them to obviously have a better match i again like i don't know the tenor of the show i imagine they want to go out there and, and 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 have a very good show an entertaining show i don't know if that means great matches more than it means spectacle. I don't know what to believe, but I, it's AJ Styles and Nakamura again. And, and hey, they didn't have a great match at WrestleMania, but there's a chance that they can go back and, and, and you know, kind of right the wrong here a little bit. Yeah, it, it was. A, they set up a dream match to do an angle, which is ridiculous in so many ways at WrestleMania. They could right the wrong here, or you could have a bunch of guys with jet lag. I mean, it, it, it's such a, you know, and it also depends how much time they're going to get because this card's already loaded. That 50-man Royal Rumble is going to take an hour and a half. So, uh, and it's what, a three-hour card, four-hour card? How, how long do, How long are they getting on this? I, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> we, we, could have the, we could have the 50-man Royal Rumble and like eight six-minute matches, and that could be it, you know? So, but but I'm hoping they have a good match here. That's uh, Jeff Hardy, Jinder Mahal. Uh <laughs> pass <laughs> yeah i'm agreeing with you so i'll move on to the next one uh tournament final for the vacant raw tag team championships it's bray wyatt and matt hardy the new team versus cesaro and sheamus i think this would be a great opportunity to put it on wyatt and hardy kind of let them run their own thing and I, I would hate if it went back on cesaro and sheamus for the reason that we talked about in the last segment I, I the team's fine i enjoy them but i think they're both better on their own in some ways it's ran its course it's it's been it was good for what it was but now i kind of want to see cesaro do something different um bray so. wyatt as a baby face it's fantastic in some ways as kind of almost a sarcastic baby face in many ways doing the clapping. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I kind of compare this to the short-lived team in 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 the NWA of Jimmy Valiant and Bugsy McGraw. In in some ways, just the weirdness of it. But you know what? It gives them something to do. It gets a way to get the belts off of Sheamus and Cesaro. I'm fine with this. Yeah. Good thing you mentioned Bugsy McGraw when I was here and not uh, Joe, because that would have led to a uh, 45-minute Bugsy McGraw rant, so I'm very glad. I'm, I, well, look, I wasn't the biggest fan of Bugsy McGraw. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I'm not, so Joe can give me that rant all day. No, that's fine, but no, the problem is it like never ends. It's like, <laughs> like I agree. Nobody, <laughs> nobody really likes Bugsy McGraw, Joe. I know. <laughs> it's like, you know, a whole thing about Bugsy McGraw, so I'm glad it's good. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, Harper and Rowan, of course, versus the Usos. That's uh, for the Raw, uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Bludgeon Brothers, of course, the champions against the Usos. Uh, looking forward to that. They had a pretty good, fun thing uh, last week on SmackDown, so I'm, I'm interested to see what they do here. So Nice, hard-hitting match. I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, Cedric Alexander versus To Be Decided. Um, that might be announced by the time we're recording this on the 19th at night, so I don't know. That might get changed by the time most of you listen to this, but that would be for the Cruiserweight Championship, of course, Cedric Alexander uh, winning the title at WrestleMania against Mustafa Ali. I uh, got John Cena versus Triple H. Just kind of thrown in there. John Cena, Triple H. Hey, there you go. Like This show, man. <laughs> this is... I, I, th- I think John's laying down for, for, for the youngin. Um, you so? <laughs> Pass a, a torch passing moment. This match could be really. Oh yeah. Um, who do you think they put in that cruiserweight match? Um, cause I think if you put Mustafa Ali in there, you have to give him the belt. Right. Yeah. I wonder if there's like a weird, like they don't want They want to book Mustafa and it makes sense to book Mustafa Ali, but that they don't want him to win the title. Cause like it'd be so bad. Like have him do something. I, I, and I kind of agree with that. If you're not ready for giving the title, the worst thing you do is have him go there and lose. So have Mustafa I, Ali just in a random match and he wins and it's like, oh, yay, Mustafa Ali, and then have this be separate. But I don't know who that. Separate. I have a feeling that they're going to do this contrived thing because I don't know if you've seen this this week's 205 Live yet. The, the reason they're doing a they're doing a gauntlet match this next week for the number one contender because Buddy Murphy missed weight. So I think he probably makes weight for the gauntlet and wins it somehow. Oh, okay. That, so that makes, so they're trying to play that up a little bit. And not, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I, I would, I'd be fine with that because then again, like, you know, Cedric can beat him and it's not a big deal. But yeah, if you're going to book uh, Ali on this show, I think the best thing for him to do is just have a match. Like, it can be a minute long. You know what I mean? It just has to be Mustafa Ali. Here he is. You know, he wins and, and that's kind of all, all you need to do. I think that would be or, versus the old WWE trope of having losing their hometown. and be like, ah, fuck yeah. off. Yeah, that's heat yeah. for the next time you come. And it's like, no, dude. Like, Yeah. Or this or this could be the place where they give Drew Gulak a title shot. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I he'll still it, put on a good match. And... That's that's a that's a good point there. Um, Yeah. John Cena Triple H. That's a, a random thing. And then uh, the Undertaker <laughs> versus Rusev in a casket match because <laughs> we're getting a casket match, a ladder match, a steel cage match, a roll match. This is one of my EWR games uh, many years ago. <laughs> Very, this is, there's almost this exact same card. Obviously, the names would be different, but I'm pretty sure I booked a 50 man Royal Rumble, a steel cage, a ladder match, and a casket match all in the same show. I'll go find the file to prove it. But uh, I'm pretty if sure you add it, if you add a dog color match, it's Starcade '84, I think. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Where's a blindfold match? We can have that while a we're having a spin the wheel, make the deal. Yeah, tuxedo match or coal miner's glove on a pole match. We, we, we have other options here, WWE. Come on. And we got people to fill it. But yeah, no, they're they're, they're pulling. This is pulling out all the stops in some ways. In some ways, it's just hiding behind gimmicks and hoping. uh, Yeah, Rusev's uh, "Bury Me Softly" brother. (laughs) That's great. Was fantastic. Are are you disappointed uh, that Jericho? Like, what was your time? Because I, 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 I'm sorry if you've actually mentioned this. Like, yeah, I've been gone. I haven't listened to anything. I don't know anything about your thoughts on Jericho being included in there and then being sort of yanked away. I, I have no problems with Chris Jericho being yanked away from this. And I don't know if it was, 
you know, anything having to do with the rumored, yeah, you still have that match against Naito <laughs> for New Japan or or what. But I like, you know, I thought we, we opined last week that, was, that it could be anything as innocuous as Undertaker just trusts working with a guy like Jericho more rather than anything because there were these these accusations that 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 Rusev had called them old and that they were offended by that and then it turned out not to be true on the story and then it got out of control. Could have just been, hey, I know Jericho, he's a veteran, I can work with him. I I'm not I, I'm fine with Rusev being in this match because they still haven't figured out that he's one of their most over baby faces. Yeah, they never will. I don't know. I, they, I, I still contend that like this Rusev will be a guy that in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, whenever we're going to we'll go be and be like, Oh my God, like he's so great. Why did they do anything? Like, it'll be a thing where like, he'll kind of be forgotten to time, but then there'll be people that are like, no dude, trust me. He was really good. And then the people will go away. I can watch matches and be like, Oh my God, he's great. Like what the hell? The crowd loves him. He's great. Like, why didn't they do anything with him? And it'll just be this great mystery. There'll be books written about the, the, yeah, the, the mystery of Rusev, but it could be, be one page. It could be one word lana but if they want to yeah. make it longer they could because <laughs> there's a lot to dig into but. it'll be chapter four after you know wade barrett maybe um who else mvp when he when he was at his apex and they decided to give him a losing streak oh my god you know, <laughs> uh, uh, other things like that you know? oh yeah i forgot about that the hey how do we get him over let's just have him lose a lot that'll get him over right like no no it does and teaming with matt hardy that's always yeah <laughs> oh i had to watch i had to watch them do a fucking like pizza eating contest once live in chicago it was like the worst thing ever do you remember that i forget what the hell pay-per-view it was but i was there and they had to like eat pizza together i'm like what the hell are we doing like, well, these guys are good wrestlers what are we doing good, eating pizza that's a good off that's a good off night for a wrestler though hey, yeah no i mean yeah I was, I, they seem to be okay with it like all right cool I'm just get in the ring you could have still pay me the same amount that's fine we'll do that but uh yeah that's that so that's the greatest royal rumble uh half the matches might have changed by the time you guys listen to this i have no fucking clue it's gonna air 11 a.m uh eastern time i believe uh, for uh, people in the United States, 7 p.m. local time, but uh, I'm pretty excited. It'll be a King Abdul Sports City, which is a great, great name for a uh, uh, yeah, King Abdul Sports City's King Abdul International Stadium, or International is how it says on uh, Wikipedia. I believe that they meant to put international there, but it says international right now, so I'm going to go with that. So that'll be in Saudi Arabia, but that's uh, King Abdul Sports City. Sounds like a terrible, like, like a it like a sporting like a, goods like store in a, a mall mid, or something. Yeah, a midtown <laughs> Chicago sports. Show, <laughs> right. you know, it's like it used to be a sports authority or something where people <laughs> right. would turn in their used gear, and now it's now it's. King yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's like played against. I don't know if you guys have played against. Played again. That's what I meant. Like, but but it got like liquidated, and then like some uh-huh. guy named Abdul took it. It's called King Abdul Sports City, and like yeah. you have to go there to get your jerseys for baseball, and it's kind of weird. It kind of some smells. dicks lost yeah. his franchise license, and some <laughs> right. guy bought it. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's King Abdul Sports um, City. I do want to bring up. uh the social situation in terms of ticket sales. All right, I'm gonna go do uh, laundry while you do that. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's gonna be quick because. No, because they're apparently um, selling to families, and then it's it's difficult for single men to get a ticket or something like that. And and people are up in arms about you know why is WWE doing a show where they oppress women, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of people being brave with WWE's money, and without any skin in the game, you have to take progress, even if it's half measures as positives as opposed to wanting full measures all at once. I, I, I did some research on this and, and because people were 
jumping down Dave Meltzer's throat because he was comparing it to Sputnik Monroe and the segregation in Memphis and, and, and stuff. And it's like, it, it's completely to me, it's, it, it's apples and oranges comparison in many ways, rich. If I, if I told you to guess, when was the first time a woman in any situation, be it with a man or on her own was allowed in a sports stadium of any kind in Saudi Arabia? When do you think that was? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to think it's pretty recently, maybe like 2016 or something. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, but it's probably very, very September recent. 2017. Wow. Yeah. Was the first time a woman in Saudi Arabia was allowed in a sports stadium of any kind. And this was for their national day ceremonies. Women there just got the right to drive. Them being allowed to come to a WWE event, even if it's with a man, it's still progress. It's baby steps. They're just now getting movie theaters in Saudi Arabia that, that you can go with that where you can have not only just not only movie theaters where men and women can sit together, but movie theaters that in have general. actual movies. Yeah. That <laughs> that have have real movies films. and not, you know, yeah, not you know, just propaganda American movies. Made films. Right. So take the victory instead of trying to kill very good in the name of perfect. That's my only point on that whole controversy. I think this is going to be a positive step. I think that whole, I think their regime is moving in the right direction and we hope it moves further in the right direction. And I think WWE shouldn't be shamed for this, but they should rather, you know, look, don't, don't, don't pat them on the back necessarily as, 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 because it's, it's pure capitalism. It's not for any kind of social gain in any ways, but don't, you know, the women can't work there. Okay. But they still have made some positive changes there. Don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater is my point. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point. I think that people kind of lose sight of that a lot. And again, like I don't don't mistaken this for me agreeing with anything that, that Saudi Arabia does. I mean, obviously, but it's a completely different culture than we are used to that we know of. I mean, we can't even comprehend. Like you said, I can't even comprehend the idea that like a year ago they finally were like, all right, women can finally go to sporting events or that fucking uh, last week. They finally said, ah, yeah, we'll have a movie theater <laughs> like, you know, it's, yeah. it's foreign to us. I mean, and literally and figuratively, it's foreign to us that we just can't comprehend that so to think that in one day they're just going to immediately open up everything and, and it be a progressive society, it's just not realistic. It's just not going to happen. So I'm with you. I think just even a little bit of progress is is is, is a good thing. And yeah, I, I'm not going to praise WWE for doing this, but if they play even a small modicum of, of part in, in getting more progress to Saudi Arabia, that's a positive in a lot of ways. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it, it, it's very weird. Yeah, people want this to be and, and, and people are really jumping down WWE's throat. And again, like, I, I'm not crediting WWE. I'm not giving them any back. They want them, anything. They want them to poke the bear. They right. want them to poke the bear when, when WWE has no interest in poking the bear. Oh, you should be pushing for more. You should be pushing for more. Why? They don't poke the bear in America. I mean, they don't poke the bear in their own stuff. You know what I mean? They it's don't like, like in America, for God's right. sake. You know, I mean, you can't even get color in America without, without you know, four sponsors jumping down their throats. Now, if you wanted to do something, quote unquote, progressive, have an all women show in the United Arab Emirates. You've already had the show in Dubai where I believe it was Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks worked. Yeah, correct, in yeah. Sure. Have an all women's have an all women's card with them wearing the appropriate gear as a show of that if you wanted to really poke the bear but well, I, don't and, to- i'm glad you mentioned that dubai thing too because i thought that was a really important moment in in, in a lot of it ways was. because you know people would might have said oh that's lame that they made them wear bodysuits or whatever but it was a little bit of a hey look we're having women wrestling that's our first step into the water 
we don't want to just dive off the deep end right away and say, oh, fuck off. Here's what we do. And this is America and, and go to hell or whatever. This, you know, we don't care. We're progressive, da, 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 all this sort of stuff. It, we, we forget that. Like, it, there, there's different cultures out there. There's different things. Like, we can't just assume that that's how everybody is going to react and that's what everybody really wants. Like, it's always this weird sort of thing. And I think that was a great sort of compromise that they did is say, hey, look, we're going to have women on the show. We understand we won't have them wear what they can wear in America, but we're still going to have women on that show where they could have couched out and said, all right, yeah, you're right. We'll just won't have women or we won't do anything. We'll just do that. And, and, and to want them to, you know, poke this bear in Saudi Arabia again, like baby steps in a lot of ways. Cause if you go out mm-hmm. there and you go nuts and you do that, like that could really backfire in a lot of ways and not just for WWE business, but in a lot of ways of, of cultural backfire as well. And that's just not a great yeah. idea. Here's how out to lunch. Some, some members of the, of the wrestling community were on this. They were angry that, that, oh, they thought that Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss were going out there in shame for having to wear these bodysuits and stuff like that. And Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss saw it as an honor that, that we get to be the first women to do a match in Dubai. And, and that's all you need to know right there. It was important to them. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to looking through through our goggles of, you know, why is it this Uber Eats here quick enough? What kind of what kind of freedom oppressed society are we living in where I can't, <laughs> right. get, can't get, get instant meals within 10 minutes or whatnot? So, you know what? Just, you know, see the forest from the trees a little bit. Yeah, it's a great point. I'm glad we uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see this show again, like you said, Friday, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time for that. So it'll be uh, during the workday for most of us. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It looks like a pretty fun card. It's If anything, it's going to be a spectacle. It's going to be one of, one of those kind of once in a lifetime things that you'll be glad you you <laughs> at least for a minute. Uh, oh, I, I think they're going to use yeah. some of that some of that money and really spruce that place up. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this when I get home from work. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's going to have lasers and the fireworks and like they they're getting a lot of money and they want to show that this is a thing and, and that Vince wants more and more money here and there. And people have mentioned too that maybe, you know, for potential buyers down the line, if, if those guys want to pony up the cash and buy the whole company, then he doesn't care. He'll cash out. He doesn't give a shit. What happens oh, yeah. when he leaves as long as he gets his, you know, if he can, that'll be kind of a crowning achievement there. If he becomes, you know, sells it to a, you know, a global business or whatever, people Vince might drive, that, but Vince yeah. Drive across a bridge and light on fire behind him. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> as long as the check cuts, he's, he's good. So, uh, yeah, so that's, 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 so that's the greatest Royal rumble. Um, real quickly here, we'll we're kind of run out of time here a little bit, but I do want to touch on the, the last three topics we had mentioned. Uh, okay. we'll do, we'll do pretty quickly these last two here. Uh, the death of Bruno San Martino. So this is, of course, he died uh, yesterday. We're recording this on the 19th. He died yesterday uh, early morning. Uh, any thoughts, Jeff, on uh, Bruno San Martino, memories of Bruno San Martino? I know you're not that old, so I don't think you – and you're Thanks. a Southern guy too. So, you know, so I, don't, I know you didn't, uh, <laughs> you didn't, you know, after your high school prom, go to, you know, the garden and watch, you know, San Martino and, and Pedro David, Morales or whatever. David San Martino's dad is my, you know, applicable. <laughs> right. Exactly, yeah, the commentator Bruno San Martino. Um, WWE commentator Bruno Sarri. But yeah, any thoughts on Bruno? I like I said, there's many other better outlets for this. I, the Wrestling Observer is going to be a great spot because Dave and, yeah. and Bruno were close friends. We're just going to kind of do it because I think we kind of have to. But I don't know that either of us have like a ton of great insights on Bruno Sarri. No, but 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 you know, I've I've seen the handheld from him and Zabisco, or not handheld, but him and Zabisco was a great program to help build him up. Um, definitely on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, in my opinion. In terms of importance, you know, holding the title for what eleven years. Um, the other thing that you know comes out is, especially in, in the wrestling business, I have never heard anybody say a terse or negative word about Bruno San Martino, and and to me, 
what he represents is he is probably going to be in wrestling history. The last every man champ that we're ever going to have, because when I watch Bruno and when I watch him talk and when I watch him do interviews to me, he's, you know, he's your friend's dad who, who works on a car on the weekends and just happens to lift a lot of weights. And is going to go twist the guy's arm off for fun on the weekends. He, he was the last guy that to me, you could really relate with. Daniel Bryan's close, don't get me wrong, but Daniel Bryan was such a great technician that you look at him and you watch him and you go, man, I'd have to spend years trying to perfect that. But you watch Bruno San Martino and you kind of go, you know, I might be able to do that if I really applied myself and lifted heavy things for for a long long time, even though you couldn't. Because as, as he went away, then you get, you know, Backlund, who was highly skilled in terms of wrestling. And then you get into more spectacle like flair and Hogan. And then the attitude era and these guys that are larger than life that he can't really relate to. To me, Bruno San Martino's probably going to be the last of the everyman champ for as long as we have the WWE as the big dog in wrestling. Yeah. I think it's always gonna be hard to ever get a guy that has that sort of connection with the people as well. And he's a guy yes. that like, and again, and that's a big reason why I probably don't have much to add to Bruno. And that's why there, there probably are people that have a lot because I didn't grow up in his era. And even if I grew up in his era, if I didn't live in that area, if I didn't live in the East coast and in that territory, I won't have that same connection to Bruno. If I lived where I did, I live in Chicago. I, I, you know, Bruno, whatever, like, but the people there, the people in New York, the people that lived through it, the people that went to the garden and saw him and, and saw how big of a deal he was to those people, to their parents, to, to, to ethnic people in the area or whatever. I mean, that's, that's what he is. That's what he represented to so many people. And that's why, like, again, there's probably better outlets for this because there's people that have a genuine connection. I think you and I, there will be wrestler deaths that will happen that I think I, I can say that I have one of those genuine things to, and Bruno is one of those guys. Like there are people that you will talk to, and 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 you saw the outpour of, of support on Twitter when a few people that might not have always tweeted about wrestling started tweeting about wrestling and talking about the impacts and stuff. Like a Bruno Mars always pops up as right. a guy that's like, "Hey, my dad loved Bruno San Martino, so he nicknamed me Bruno." Like one of those things is like such an important thing that that if you weren't there and you don't have that same connection, you won't be able to give that, but you know, give that sort of perspective or insights. But yeah, he is he is that guy that like people. It just in, in, a, in a lot of ways, and I guess we'll get it a little bit with indie wrestling now, so there'll be kind of a new generation of people that probably have those sort of connections to people in, in a way, but there was a long time where they that didn't happen. They, superstars were just larger than life people, but Bruno never felt larger than life. Even though he was, in a sense, larger than life, he felt like he was the guy down the street that, you know, yes. worked at the deli, but then on Friday went and kicked, you know, some assholes ass and, yes. and, and, and did it for you, and then on Monday said, hey, at the deli again. Yeah, no, it's kind of like how we we always imagine old time football players to be, you know, the guys that, you know, before you got the multi-million dollar contracts, you're just blue collar guys who did this. And then, you know, in the off season, they'd go, you know, you know, they'd go chop lumber or something, you know? Yeah. He's, he's the guy who, Hey, you'll be walking down the street, walking to a pizza place. There's Bruno having a slice and, and, yeah, right, and, a right. coat. <laughs> and it's like, and he'd go up and talk to Hey, that was a great match. Hey, thanks a lot for coming. Really appreciate, you know, he's, he's that kind of personable fella. Yeah, so it'll be, uh, again, there's a lot of really cool things up there right now. I know uh, Wrestling Observer, I mentioned at the top of the show, but they did a, uh, they released all their old Bruno interviews. And those are always great, too. Just Dave and Bruno yes. chopping it up and Brian petting his cat or doing something uh, for the two hours or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. But uh, no, that's, you definitely want to check those out. I know Post Wrestling did a pretty good one as well, postwrestling.com. Uh, talking about Bruno. I forgot who they had on as a guest, but uh, I listened to a few minutes of it. And... Oh, I think it was Dan Lavransky. 
was on. Yeah, was it Dan? Okay, I wasn't sure if there was someone else and then then Dan as well. But yeah, no, I did. They did a pretty good job. Yeah, there there is some good uh, stuff out there right now. And the uh, the Observer, I know that uh, uh, Dave wrote a little bit as well this week's Observer, and I think he said that he's going to write a bigger one on a In few two weeks. weeks. Yeah, yeah, so so I mean, definitely want to look out for that because uh, there's no one that can do a better job of that than uh, than than Dave. So. Uh, that's Bruno, unfortunately. And then we had another wrestler death that kind of popped up, got a little overshadowed by uh, by Bruno yesterday. But uh, Paul Jones, uh, old uh, number one Paul Jones, what did you think of uh, or what kind of impact did Paul Jones have on your life? I know when we were talking about things that we wanted to uh, talk about in this week's show, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about Paul Jones. So uh, what do you got about Paul, him? Paul Jones, to me, is, is a guy, you know, look, I, I, he's also passed my or his prime was before my fandom. Uh, my fandom came in when he was a manager. And as a manager, your mileage may vary. This was when, you know, they were people were wearing off-color tuxedos and kind of being a bit garish. And Paul Jones never had a great gift for gab, but as I kind of became this amateur historian and got, you know, more tape and stuff like that, Paul Jones was a fantastic regional babyface. And that's what he brought to the Carolinas. It's what he brought to California. It's what he brought to Florida. He's the guy who helped Ricky Steamboat really learn how to be what Ricky Steamboat became. And then when he turned heel against Ricky Steamboat, all the heat in the world. So, I mean, he's a little undersized. He's a little scrappy, but he's always, I mean, you watch him in the ring and he's that technically sound scrappy baby face. And, and he, he's really an archetype for, I mean, he may have been 40 years ahead of his time in terms of he'd have been the small guy in the Indies who you'd belt as a major champ. And look, he was the, f- I forget if he was the first U S champ or not. Um, but you know, he, he always had that kind of credibility. And to me, he's a bit tragic because I'm, I was a uh, Kickstarter backer of a uh, mid Atlantic memories. And I got that DVD and Paul Jones is on there. And you, you can tell he's just so embittered because he goes, man, think of how my career would have been if they had never turned me heel. I was such a hot baby face. You know, he, he's one of those guys who kind of lives in the past and you kind of go, oh, man, that's so sad. But but from what I've been told, people who met him at conventions and stuff say he couldn't have been nicer. Now, for my fandom, he was always the manager, that second tier manager who got all the international heels who couldn't talk. Um, his, his, he was the main mid card feud in, in mid Atlantic when I first started, uh, watching wrestling, uh, the Paul Jones army versus Jimmy Valiant and, and, you know, your T Joe cons, your Abdullah, the butchers, the barbarian, the warlord later, Ivan Koloff, Baron Von Rasky, Shaska Watley. And then by some miracle, Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez became a tag team and got him a title and gave him some credibility as a manager. That's what I remember is him being him being so happy that he finally got to manage a champion after years of having this mid card feud with Jimmy Valiant, where he'd end up getting his head shaved and getting humiliated. He, oh, he, he managed the assassins as well. That was one of the first feuds I watched there. Also in Jimmy Valiant's war, he was always stuck in this. And then he got to manage a real tag team. Um, and then he kind of just dropped off the face of the earth around, I, I would say, 1990 and, and going to do indies and stuff. It was like very shortly after um, he had taken on the Russian assassins and they had done that Tower of Doom match. And then they just kind of decided to to go in another direction with, with stables. And Paul Jones was not part of that. But 
looking back, I mean, he is such a great wrestler for his era that I think we dismiss him being such a god awful manager and god awful promo at times on on the mid eighties stuff that really gets hyped on the network. We we forget how great of a talent he really was and how integral he was to the mid Atlantic territory. And the guy to listen to about this this week will be Bruce Mitchell. I think I think he's gonna knock it out of the park over on yeah, the tour. Oh, for sure. I can't possibly do a, 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 as good a job as he will. Uh, Mid-Atlantic Gateway will also be a good resource for Paul Jones stories for those who want to go into that. I, I feel almost like a fraud trying to give any kind of opinion on Paul Jones because I am so out of my depth in terms of having watched his 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 matches. I haven't watched a lot of them, but all all that I saw were very, very good, and he was such a great, fiery baby face. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest, my my entry point on Paul Jones is pretty much watching, you know, old Mid-Atlantic and old 605 stuff on, on the network. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of all I know about him. Like, with, I, I, with the terrible Hitler ma- mustache. And yeah, it's not great, but you know what? I didn't mind it all that much because it feels very much of the time. Like, you know, like I, I could see <laughs> yes. if you have that entry point like you have. You have something else. You have him as as, as a babyface wrestler and, and that sort of talent level. But I know him only really as the manager. And yeah, he was managing the absolute word. Like they gave him the terror. Like here you go, it's like this guy. Like it's like the army was like Ivan Koloff and like the master. T. Joe Khan. T. Joe Khan is all you have to say. (laughs) It's like it was guys. They were like, hey, here's this guy. But I kind of don't mind him in that. Like I like the garish uh, outfits. I I love the. Yeah. dreams like he doesn't really like he has no credibility whatsoever as a manager but i kind of enjoy that it's just like ah here's this fucking well, paul jones again with this it's, terrible crew of guys that nobody cares about like it's just weird because in 84 85 he's in the territory managing and he just retired and you know it's him and jj dylan wearing you know what can only be described as knockoff wedding tuxedos you know with dickies and you know rick flair's calling calling jj dylan porter wagner and thing and then jj dylan gets to up his wardrobe Gary Hart's occasionally around with Kabuki. Here's Paul Jones wearing like this baby blue tux with a dicky and a bow tie. <laughs> Man, that's the most ridiculous effing thing I've ever seen and stuff like that. But that, that was, you know, that was his style. And that was part of the showmanship of, of a territorial wrestling thing. I mean, you know, he could come out and say, Hey, I'm wearing high fashion or whatnot, but we all know that's fake. And that would also get heat. So I, you know, you have to look at it in a time capsule sort of way, but yeah, no, my, my entry point was also just the Paul Jones army. And then I had to go back and really look at what he meant to it. But Bruce Mitchell's going to be fantastic on this this weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the, the Paul Jones thing, like you mentioned, I, that's kind of the old school manager thing. Like Bobby Heenan telling, saying he's a handsome yeah. man. Everyone knows he's ugly. Like he's not, you know, he's not a terrible looking guy, but he's not I'm handsome. From Beverly, like, I'm from Beverly Hills and I'm wearing this satin jacket. And right, yeah. No, like Paul no Jones shirt and a he thought he was gaudy gold necklace. And yeah. we all knew he wasn't. And we, he thought his yeah. wrestlers were great. And we all knew yeah. they weren't. Like, so right, exactly. I kind of like that. So you go back and watch him. Like I kind of, I, you know, I enjoyed Paul Jones as a little bit kind of a, uh, uh, you know, sort of a uh, you know alternative there, but uh, yeah, it's no, no, when he was when he was good on promos, he was he was halfway decent. When he was bad on promos, he'd get lost. Oh no, he definitely, yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's the thing with that. I mean, people forget when in the era of like, oh, I wish they would just let people cut their own promos and all that sort of stuff. I mean, go watch some of those six oh five things where like Ooh. dudes just lose it and they got nothing and they are so bad some of those yeah. some of those promos like people kind of forget about them and, and and sort of assume that every promo was great when guys had their own latitude they weren't i can tell you that they 
they, uh, they were not. So, um, so that's Paul Pillsbury. As you mentioned, he kind of fell off the face of the earth in, in 1990, and we didn't really see him much after that. I think he opened some body shop or some car. I forget what it was exactly that he was doing after yeah, that. But, he, opened uh, body, he opened a body shop, I believe, in the Carolinas. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, he passed away uh, the same day as Bruno there on the 18th. So we lost uh, two two great wrestling uh, personalities of the past in, in one day. So that's <laughs> not great. But, um, all right. And then uh, last but not least, I think we want to talk about this briefly. Uh, the Andre the Giant documentary on HBO. I know uh, I was in Hollywood because uh, we have decided that we can never be in the same place at once. So when I go to where you are, <laughs> I, you leave. When when you come where I am, I leave. It's just it's we have a terrible thing. We got to change that. I was getting get drunk and eating great food in New Orleans. Yeah, while you were in <laughs> I was driving in traffic and going. God damn it! How does anyone live here? But uh, there was a, a huge <laughs> mural for the Andre uh, in Hollywood. It was pretty awesome. It was like this big build. I, I don't know what building it is, but uh, big big uh, mural of Andre the Giant there. Did not get a chance to watch it until just a few days ago. I know you uh, checked it out. Uh, what'd you think of the documentary? Uh, what'd you think of the the output of HBO? I thought the parts where you know you're talking about his family and there's not an agenda behind it were great. It, you know they were insightful. There there are basically three types of documentaries these days. There's the documentary where you have the agenda and you're basically getting information to back it. There's the one where you're telling a story and you find a hook somewhere in there and you follow that. And there's one where you, you film a whole bunch of footage and then you put together the story you want to tell in post. And this felt like the third kind in many ways, you know, it's obvious Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon had a lot of editorial say on this, mm-hmm. in my opinion, particularly the, the last half of the documentary, like you said, because think- of the framing device. And look, I don't mind that, but I think for, artistic credibility's sake which sounds so pretentious for me anyways but i'm going with it you need dave Meltzer, who you have at your disposal as a counterbalance to hogan's just absolute bullshit wrestlemania 3 story about we weren't sure if andre was gonna follow the script you know it's like dave you just need that say did hogan say that yeah well that's bullshit you know, that's all you needed, but they didn't want, that's the story they wanted to tell. Right. I, th- I think there were stories. I mean, look, you can also tell if, if you never hear anything bad about Andre or about anybody that you're doing a documentary about and letting people decide what they think of him, you know, there's an agenda behind it. And you never heard any of the dark side of Andre the giant uh, and his drinking or anything like that, but you're not probably going to, this is a good entry level documentary for, for, for the hardcores like me. You know, I could sit here and nitpick and go, I would have really liked a little bit more from Montreal. And I really would have liked Bill Watts involved in this and his usage in Mid-South to kind of give perspective to more perspective on the usage and dealing with Andre versus the WWE through line of, yeah, well, my father fell in love with him and took care of him like a son and everything was nice and rosy and peachy keen after that. You know, I, I, I could have done without that, you know the Hogan reclamation project on, on documentaries continues as you know, everybody was better than me. Oh, they're so great. They're so great. They're so great. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which kind of happened on the flair documentary as well. And you go, God, you are so full of it right now. Um, but, but, you know, I liked Pat LaProd on here. Um, yes. I done- oh, he was so good. I was so glad to see him in there. And that's, you know, yeah. I, I'll let go your thoughts here in a little bit, but I thought the first parts of the documentary, the first half was great because he fascinating stuff. Cause he was and, the and guy the- there. And the stuff about him living in that small town in North Carolina, I never knew about that. I thought right, that was yeah, yeah. great. I would have loved to hear more from neighbors and people who who walked into him day to day. I thought that would that human interest part would have been more fascinating to me than David Shoemaker 
talking about, you know, in the 70s, territories were like this. Yeah. And then they show something from 1985, <laughs> which is 15 years later, you know, that kind of stuff. Or yeah, hearing it was about smoky VFW halls until, you know, yeah. Vin Jr. ran WrestleMania. And then Hogan ripped all the muscles in his back in front of 93,000 people and didn't know if Andre was going to do business. I, it's or all clear. Andre, I don't know why you're how, what's so proud with this. Or how Andre the Giant and John Studd apparently hated each other because John Studd walked over the top rope right, for his course. entrance, which is absolute bullshit. So, I mean, it, you have to temper the BS with it. You know, if you're not a wrestling fan, you know, and you just want to know about Andre, it's probably very fascinating. If, if you kind of know how the sausage is made a little bit, you can see that there are parts that are still interesting to you. You can take and pick what you like, but man, that whole second half, the framing device of WrestleMania three to me, I was just like, there needs to be a counterbalance to this. Someone needs to call Hogan out and say, no, that's, that's not it. I mean, it's a great story that he decided to watch the match and write it down on a legal pad to make it look like he actually wrote out the match, but it's just, it's, it, it was such it's like I could have done with less Hogan and more. Tell me about Andre the man so I can make a decision about him. Yeah. And, and I kind of like I'll like your thoughts again. Like I, I really and, and it's always the issue when we watch wrestling documentaries, because I think a lot of wrestling fans, <laughs> particularly in our circle, kind yes. of look for these documentaries to be like these great. Oh, I didn't know that. Or I learned something new. And it's like you're probably not the pre unless the people producing that are like in our circle. Like we're pretty like on the you know, we, we are the nerdiest of the nerd here. A lot of us like in terms of yeah, and- for wrestling, like no one is ever going to know if unless it's a guy in our circle that's producing this thing. Chances are you're not going to find out something new. There's not going to be some great new thing and information that you didn't get. But I thought the first part of it, I did learn a lot about Andre that I yes. didn't know because I expected I was going to turn this on. They were going to say Andre came from France. He he did some stuff here. He grew a lot. And then WrestleMania, I thought they were going to get 10 minutes in and we're already in the WWE world. But I mean, you're a good 30, 40 minutes in with Pat LaPrade talking about Montreal and talking about coming to the Midwest and, and how his name sort of evolved. So there was a lot of really fun stuff in that first 30, 40 minutes. And then, like you said, once it got to WWE and once then it was obvious that Don, Vince and, and all those people kind of said, OK, now we'll tell our part of the story. It fell off a cliff in a lot and of ways. It's still fine, but it's it, it's it's more for the casual fan. It's it's the mythology that they're sort of telling. Whereas the beginning felt like a documentary. It felt like we are going to tell this man's story. Whereas the last half felt like we're going to tell WWE's story of Andre the Giant. And that's and I'm that's not faulting I'm not faulting the filmmakers because if you want access, you have to play this game. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I I have absolutely no you know I, I could I can sit you know it's like it's like the people judging the Saudi Arabia thing. I could sit on here on my high horse of 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 artistic integrity and say screw you guys you should you shouldn't have sold out you should have done a real expose on how they manipulate not care about access to wwe but they wanted the footage they wanted to be able to talk to the wrestlers i got no problem with that actually and and when you step back and look at it it did a lot about what the flair documentary did it found its narrative hook and it went after the narrative hook and and you know what that's what documentary filmmaking is these days for the most part if if they had had you know three parts in nine hours, like a Ken Burns series, it could have probably gotten more in depth, but it wasn't. This was what they chose to follow much like Ric Flair and the, uh, the drinking lifestyle and how that eventually screwed up all his marriages and, and stuff that the, this was the narrative. They chose to, to view Andre the giant through what they viewed as his penultimate career moment at WrestleMania. Yeah. And, and I, like, again, I don't begrudge him as well. I'm, I'm the same with you. And, and it's, you got to think that there's a larger audience than us, than our little bubble of yeah. wrestling fans. Like this is a documentary for my 
my, my mom watched it. My parents yeah. watched it. That's who it's for. It's for them. My mom said, oh, hey, this Andre the Giant thing. That looks interesting. And kind of told me, oh, that was sad. Or it's, it sucks how his life ended. And, like, that's who it's for. It's not for you. It's not for I. It's not for us. It's not for the people listening to the show. We might have gotten some stuff out of it. But it's at the end of the day, it's not for us. And and that's yeah, something the- that a lot of people have issues with, with, with mainstream wrestling coverage. It's like it, it's not for the hardcores. And, and some people probably feel the same way. If they did a documentary about some pool champion or you know, I just throw in some guy out, some like great legendary, you know, darts player or whatever it'd probably be surface level you and i would find a bunch of new stuff about it but your hardcore darts fans would be like oh that's you know no that's not how it happened oh no this guy was a better darts player than that guy but like it's not for those guys it's for the kind of everybody else and i would have really liked maybe and this is gonna sound weird coming from me because i'm not the biggest fan of his in the world i would have liked a little bit more billy crystal because he got a really close relationship with Andre yeah, oh, yeah, to the point point, point to the point of making a to the point of making a biographical movie about him himself. I think less and Hogan it, in general, <laughs> like in more in most things in 2018, less Hogan is is definitely a positive. Yes, because Hogan didn't have a close relationship with Andre. I don't think in terms of personal. I think it was a close working relationship. But a guy like Billy Crystal can probably expound a little bit more on on the interpersonal friendship between him and Andre more than a Hulk Hogan can, and that, that's. That's more what interests me about watching documentaries is kind of the what kind of person was this? What were their flaws, their 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 positives? And just let me get to know the person a little bit more as opposed to what I should what you think I should know about the person. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think I think it is definitely recommended viewing if even yes. if not understand that the last half is going to be you've seen that same documentary from WWE a thousand times. But I think the first half is so worth it for sure. And and I think there's okay. enough fun stuff and enough fun stories and enough talented talking heads and smart talking heads that make it worthwhile even if you still have to deal with hogan like it's it's once you know that hogan's on the screen like you should do anyway when hogan gets on the screen go okay he's spewing a bunch of bullshit let's see what if you laugh and smile about whatever hogan says it makes it less infuriating if you just go oh let's see what bullshit he's gonna concoct now and it's like oh okay that was fun okay and then move on and then never think about it ever again that's what's so what's so infuriating is he's so earnest about his bullshit He's not playing it up at all. He's like, no, man, we didn't know if Andre really was going to follow the rules and stuff. Yeah, well, I'm he, sure if you lie to yourself oh. enough, I mean, that, 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 that's the psychological <laughs> thing. If you lie to yourself enough, you start believing your own thing. And I'm, I'm sure I have no doubt in my mind that Hogan thinks all that he says is, is probably real. He's I mean, that's just him. If you're a pathological liar I'll, like he is. I'll like, ask you this. What did you think of uh, five minutes on flatulence of Andre? Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoy, yeah, I, I went to the other room and I just heard like I just heard people making fart noises and I came back. I'm like, what did I just miss? And I rewound and it was five minutes about Andre's flatulence and uh, a few segments about Ric Flair talking about how big Andre's dick is because of course Ric Flair would talk about how big someone's dick is because it's Ric fucking Flair. So of course, although I did like the Tim White parts, the Tim White parts were, were quite good. I yes, because I always forget how great Tim White's voice is and how great his yeah. accent is. He's just like. I love Tim White so much. He's a great, yeah, in his bar too, like talking about how much they're drinking and whatnot. But no, yeah, Tim White was a good, good one. The Flatulence, good. Yeah, there's enough in this documentary that that when I read a lot of the feedback, I was like, oh, I'm gonna hate this thing, and I really, I didn't hate it. I just knew the Hogan part was gonna come, the WrestleMania three part was gonna come, so I rolled my eyes and just went, yeah, whatever. But I think everything in between that was was great, and everything even after that was great. So I I thought they did a pretty good job given you know the subject. Yeah, the the flatulence thing. You know what? I, I had to I had to take some time away to really enjoy that because that's the type of human interest part where you're like after you've done something really heavy on the guy's life, that's that's where you put that in for kind of a for kind of a palate cleanser. You go, you know what else Andre did a lot? 
farted. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like, that's such a random thing, but it's funny and everybody does it. But, but you can imagine how his farts would be different because he's such a giant man. He'd probably kill a dude if he ever was in a closed room with you. Yeah, uh, so, yeah I, I found it endearing in, in hindsight. Yeah, that's, so that's the stuff you always kind of look for is, is is the stories of him farting, the stories of how big his dick was, and then uh, some of the small town stuff as he was kind of coming up through the name. And the, yeah, I like that's the name the stuff part too. that got me. The name stuff was kind of cool too, of like the evolution of his name, what was really yeah. fun to see how uh, that kind of worked. But uh, yeah, definitely, I, I would recommend checking it checking it out but just yeah understand that there's gonna be parts that uh listeners of this show are definitely gonna roll their eyes at but you know that mm-hmm. going in and just accept it and be fine all right uh jeff before we get out of here any plugs you want to give anything you want to let people know where they can find your work where they can find you on twitter and any of the other good stuff um i was on uh two episodes ago i was on music of the mat here on voices of wrestling network if you want to hear 30 minutes on aretha franklin's who's zooming who <laughs> that was the I'm your man. Who's zooming who conversation i have ever heard and will ever hear that was <laughs> that was special uh bad jokes and banality on on my twitter feed at crap game 13 it's mostly wrestling stuff i'll occasionally go into other sports because i root for suck teams um, I'm also over at Fightful right after SmackDown with Sean Ross Sapp. And uh, I have a show here occasionally called Shake Them Ropes with uh, one Rob McCarron. So um, if you enjoyed what you heard, thank you. If you hated what you heard, just forget I ever existed. <laughs> there you go. So, Jeff, I thank you so much for uh, coming in here. And now let's do this again. Let's, uh, let's definitely uh, chat again sometime soon. I'm always here for you, brother. <laughs> thank you. Anyway, Jeff Hawkins at Crap Game 13. Shake Them Ropes. Fightful.com. Jeff Hawkins. Thank you very much. This episode of the Voice Rising Flagship Podcast is also sponsored by our friends at Zip Recruiter. And guys, if you're hiring, you know that every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting a job online and just praying for the right people. There has to be something better. And thank God there is with Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter knew that there was a smarter way. So they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experiences, and invites them to apply for your job. No more of you chasing the right person. ZipRecruiter finds them and delivers them to you. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, over 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. That's 80% of employers in one day. You cannot beat that. And ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. You will never, ever find, you'll never, ever miss that person that you need for that job, that you want for that job, that you're going to get for that job. ZipRecruiter will find them. The right candidates are out there, and ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, voice wrestling listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, for free. That's zero, by the way. Free, zero. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. Once again, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And Debo, Matt Hardy, you niggas, delete them, delete them. They waiting for me to come speak for the people. The fiends on my street, they compete for a needle. Man, what's fucking with me from here to Toledo? Ain't sleeping till all of my people is eating. Cause back in the day, all they knew how to feed us was swingers and Cheetos, Doritos and Fritos. I'm feeding my ego, these toes. I bet you don't And joining me now at this time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast, I guess we've had on quite a few times in the show, but not in quite a while. It is the people's rapper himself, Mr. John Connor. John, how's it going? 
Yo, what's going on, man? It's, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to be back, man. Let's talk some wrestling, man. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, of course, a little plugs here out of the way. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at John Connor Music. You can follow him on Instagram, uh, John Connor Music. You can uh, see him on SoundCloud and all that other good stuff. And the debut album, Vehicle City, is coming very soon. His debut on Aftermath, so we're all looking forward to that. From the People's Rapper, uh, one thing, though, we do have to do, and this is kind of... Unf- well, we started the show off, because uh, the last time I think we talked was two years ago. It was, I think, before WrestleMania two years ago, which is far too long. We definitely need to do it again uh, sometime <laughs> soon. Right. But uh, unfortunately, we had to lead off that show um, talking about uh, the Flint water crisis and what was going on right. in Flint. Um, thankfully, though, because this is a nation of great people and we would never let our citizens go through anything like, you know, not having a basic amenity like clean water, we all got together and made sure that that was solved right away. And, uh, of course, everything's all good in, in Flint. And there's no issues and everyone's fine and everything's good because we're a great country of great people. Or maybe that's not exactly what happened. What what, what the hell's going on in Flint, man? Yeah, man. Um, just so that people are clear, you know. It's, I just actually left Flint um, a couple of days ago, and it, it's pretty bad. They just stopped the water distribution in Flint. So it's like the, the water is actually still bad. And then on top of that, they, the, you know, the government officials have cut off the, the, um, the distribution of water oh, in Flint. <laughs> you know, so, so it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy back home. It's kind of crazy back home right now. So, just the, the most uh, that I could ask for from people listening to this that are, you know, concerned about my hometown is please uh, send all all prayers to my hometown because it's pretty bad right now. And just, you know, just, just stay building awareness about it because it's not, it never got fixed. It never got handled. And it's people that are there that, you know, are still dealing with this every day. So, I just ask that people just continue to spread awareness and do the most you can to let someone else know what's going on there, too, because, you know, my people in Flint really need uh, the support of everyone right now. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's really, like, I, I can't believe it two years ago we were talking about this, and even then it would already been going on for a few months at that point. It's like, exactly. you know, two years later, and we're, you know, what, 1,400 days or something at this point, and it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable that this country would allow that to happen to its own citizens, but, uh, you know, that's this country sometimes. So, anyway, not to, not to start off on a negative note, I just thought I was going back and listening to our first show, and I was like, oh my god, we, you know, the show that we did two years ago, we talked about the Flint thing, and it's like, it's not in the public conscience anymore because, you know, people have decided to move down to different things but it's like those people are still suffering <laughs> they still don't have water and that's just right. uh, you know clean water it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous that you know two years later we're still talking about that but uh yeah i know you've done your part and and there's many that are doing their part but yeah it's definitely something that we all still have to be very aware of and it's it, it's yeah we have to this is these are our people this is our country and we're allowing you know a whole city to be left without clean water and you know children without clean water it's just absolutely nuts but uh it is what it is so yeah unfortunately <laughs> leaving on that, that that negative note but uh but yeah let's talk some wrestling because that's much more fun i think more times than not yes, so, indeed. Yes, uh, indeed. Yes, you indeed. have made an annual tradition of going to wrestlemania how many years now is this that you've been uh going to wrestlemania's so this is my fifth wrestlemania in a row but my seventh wrestlemania all together so yeah it's been five years in a row i started the, the street my streak, <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> my streak of wrestlemania starting at wrestlemania 30 and then I went to 31, um, that was in California, 32, which was in Texas, 34 in Orlando, and then, uh, well, 33 uh, in Orlando, then 34 in um, New Orleans. Yeah, and um, I'm sure you're trying to keep that up for next year as well. 
Absolutely, New York, yep. New, York right. New Jersey. I'll be there, man. I will be there as well. So we'll have to finally, finally meet up if we can. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, what, what kind of let us in on your on your weekend at WrestleMania? So uh, did you arrive early to do some of the other stuff? Because obviously there, there's tons of things going on. There's other independent wrestling shows going on throughout the weekend. You yeah. got Access, you got the Hall of Fame, you got Takeover, Nice Takeover. What, what was kind of your uh, your path at WrestleMania this year? Well, man, just to any and all wrestling fans who are tuning in right now, if you've never been to WrestleMania, I would you know strongly suggest you go at least once in your life if you only go once and you're cheating yourself because the whole entire experience is crazy like that whole week is crazy like wwe literally like takes over the town and i did a lot like when i go to wrestlemania i want (laughs) i go and i get fully immersed in the world of pro wrestling or sports entertainment like i really go all in i try to find like you know, any and all events that are going on. And so my wrestle, my road to WrestleMania uh, started, um, I think I got there on Thursday. And so, you know, when you get to whatever city WrestleMania is in, you know, it's just like, you know, WrestleMania fever is all through the city. I think that it, it really sets the tone. Like as soon as you get off of the airplane in New Orleans or whatever city it is, WWE normally has like, you know, advertisements and posters in the um in the airport then as soon as you get out into the streets you know there's street signs that are all about wrestlemania and then this year in particular bourbon street was just packed with wrestling fans <laughs> and people you know people in costume and people and this is thursday night this is like still three or four days or you know however many days to move until wrestlemania and you got people in the middle of the street chanting yes 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 or chanting uh rusev day or just you know this it's just such a festive spirit and a festive vibe as soon as you get to whatever town wrestlemania is and so this my thursday night i was on bourbon street with the fans <laughs> cheering in the middle of the street and i think uh the next day friday i believe i went to wrestlecon oh which, cool um, yeah, yeah. i think is yeah, WrestleCon is always cool, man. Just seeing all the superstars from the past that, you know, you grew up on and, you know, just getting to hear them tell stories and, and just uh, just soak that up. You know, I got, I'm a bit of a collector, so I got um, I got a bunch of, like, titles, you know, um, that I've collected over time. And uh, one of the coolest things that I got to do this year was I got, like, this uh, – I got like one of the old school Intercontinental Championship belts, and I got a chance to get Bret the Hitman Hart's signature on it and oh, wow. something. Yeah, so I'm gonna put that Intercontinental belt up in like a glass case somewhere. I got <laughs> yeah, <those> like, <laughs> yeah, man, it's like that belt is like priceless to me now. It's got Bret Hart, Hunky Tonk Man, Carlito, Jimmy Hart, and I think there's one more person. Oh yeah, and uh, Scott Hall signed it. So that's like my baby now. I'm gonna put it in my little glass case and. And, you know, put it up somewhere. But WrestleCon was fun, as usual. This was my second year going to WrestleCon. Um, I, like I say, I encourage all fans to go. And really, it's like kind of like um, kind of like getting in the Christmas spirit. When you go shopping and you're getting ready for Christmas mm-hmm. and all of that. It's like really like that type for any wrestling fan. Like to go to the city that WrestleMania is in. I really compare it to that. It's really like... It's more than just Sunday's event. It's like the entire week, the entire town is just totally engulfed in WrestleMania. So for me, WrestleCon uh, was the first thing I did. Then I think later on, 
I think uh, later that night or either the next day, I went to WWE Access, um, which is super cool, which is like being in like a Toys R Us for like a WWE <laughs> fan where everyone's good. You know, it's something else that you that just kind of like sparks the memories from when you were growing up. Like, it's so much cool stuff at WrestleCon. Like, um, you know, you get to see the big box of bootios that the New Day came out of at WrestleMania 32. They even had the old Raw set there from like 93, 94 um, when Rob Bartlett was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and he, <laughs> Anybody that's old is, is, is me. I'm, I just turned 33, so if you can if you around my age, you remember those days of Monday Night Raw when like the opening match was like Gary Horowitz versus Tatanka. Like, that <laughs> I was, was about to mention Tatanka. Yeah, it's like a, it's always Tatanka. It's always Tatanka. <laughs> exactly. <on those movies. laughs> exactly. So um, I really encourage people to go to Access. I think one of the coolest things about WWE Access, aside from. Um, you know, the superstars being there signing autographs and just all the cool things that you get to see is the hugest WWE superstore that has, like, all the merchandise that, like, is just out of control like, that I never even knew that they had. Like, I think it was like I bought a book that was, like, the New Day book of, 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 uh, I think it's like the, the new book of Booty, book I think, of right? It was a song, yeah, I think it's the, the book, book of Booty, of Booty. or something like that. You right? know what? <laughs> I picked it up. I'm like, man, <laughs> what is this? What could this possibly even be about? But then when I looked in it, it was actually pretty cool. It like breaks down the New Day's championship run as the tag team champions. And, um, it, it like really does like a whole like breakdown of stats of like the New Day. And I'm a big New Day mark, so. I really enjoy uh, in that and just all of the cool stuff that you can see and buy. And, yo, you, if you go to Access, you're going to definitely blow, like, a $1,000. <laughs> Not just because you're going to buy so much, but stuff is, like, super expensive, too. But it's, like, whatever. It's all, it's all part of WWE weekend. It's all part of WrestleMania weekend. Anytime I go to WrestleMania, I'm always thinking to myself, okay, I, it's like going to a casino. It's like I gotta put aside the amount of money that I'm willing to lose, with, that I'm willing to spend when I go to WrestleMania, and then the rest of it, you know, you put aside. But I think that it's a great compliment to the actual event WrestleMania to go to Access, to go to WrestleCon, to hit the other wrestling events that are going on in whatever city that is, because it all just helps to build up the aura mm-hmm. of WrestleMania. It, it really, truly is a great time, man. You had mentioned the uh, you know the, the people you know chanting yes in the streets and whatnot. There was actually kind of funny. I saw people uh, that, that that I knew that were down there, and they said they could see like there was groups of girls that were on like their bachelorette party that were like, "I chose the absolute <laughs> worst weekend." Like they don't know, you know, they're just like, "Oh, let's go to New Orleans for your bachelorette right. party or whatever." And they show up, and there's just a bunch of fucking you know people walking around with intercontinental titles screaming yes Bro. in the streets. Like I can't. Yo, I mean, the look so on their face funny. had to be just like, "Oh my!" Like because you everywhere you go. It's it's just like us. It's just wrestling fans everywhere, which is kind of right. the worst experience ever for like just a random group of bachelorettes that are just there to have a good time at, in Bourbon Street you and know, taking it over. You know what's funny? I, I hope it, it, it probably wasn't the same wedding, but it actually was a wedding party in the hotel that I was staying in <laughs> for WrestleMania. And it was so funny because I walked down the stairs with my Intercontinental Championship belt <laughs> on. And they, can I curse on here or no? Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100% you can curse. You should. Yeah, it's they were looking at me like, what the fuck? 
what like what is going on? Like who is <laughs> who is this? like they had absolutely no idea like that WrestleMania was going on and they were like all dressed up in their tuxedos and suits and shit. And it was like really crazy. But I would imagine for anybody that was just in from Orleans just visiting, it was crazy. They got sucked into the black hole of pro wrestling <laughs> yeah. that weekend. <laughs> that weekend, man. Uh, so did you, you did not attend uh, TakeOver, only WrestleMania was the only, uh, like, actual, true 100% wrestling show that you, you, you went to? Right, yeah, I did, like I said, I did uh, WrestleCon and I did Access, yeah, but I did not, the actual only wrestling show that I went to was WrestleMania. What what was cool, too, by the way, at Access, like, NXT was doing shows, like, they have an actual match. Yeah, they had a lot of good matches. The, there were, like, some pretty... People are clamoring to see those. We, yeah, haven't, we haven't gotten them yet, but there was some... I don't know if you actually checked out any of those, but those are some really good uh, some really good matches. Like, Keith Lee, who doesn't wrestle that much in WWE, he was there, and, and he's awesome. Like, there's a lot of... People want to watch those matches, and they haven't released them yet. People are kind of pissed about right. them. Right. It was... You know what? It was kind of crazy. It was, And also, we got a special added bonus, like, Kurt Angle came out, and this was the night before WrestleMania. You get a chance to see do Q and A with mm-hmm. Kurt Angle, which that was really cool as well. Well, to be fair, you didn't have to go to many other wrestling events because you got about ten hours of wrestling on Sunday with <laughs> WrestleMania. All right. So uh, let's talk about that show, man. We, Unbelievable. Yeah, me, me. That was crazy. Me and my sister, we joked about that before we got there. We were like, yeah, WrestleMania is legit. Going to be twelve hours long this year. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Now, you've mentioned your sister before. She, is she Does she just kind of come with you to WrestleMania, or is she a big wrestling fan? Is she watching week to week and doing that sort of stuff? Yeah, my sister is as big of a wrestling mark as I am. That is like in music and in WWE and all my endeavors, my little sister, Bri, that's like my right-hand woman. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that is like my second brain. So it's like uh, she is super deep into into WWE, into wrestling, too. Her wrestling IQ is, is just like ours. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, she she was all she knew that she was getting 12 hours. Because I can imagine, like, if you somebody brought somebody that didn't know much and they're, like, you know, in hour <laughs> five and they're like, okay, is this thing <laughs> almost over? And you're like, nope, there's, like, two more hours left. So, really, but she right. knew. She was sitting down ready for the 12 hours and stuff. And that, that that's good then, so. Yeah, she was, but my other my cousin wasn't like we convinced my cousin to go to WrestleMania because she always see me and my little sister go, and she's like, uh, she's like, oh, I want to go to WrestleMania one year, and she, we wanted to dress up in the whole nine yards. She dressed like Roddy Piper. It was really oh, cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like a million Roddy Pipers there, which which is cool. Like. Rest up, Roddy Piper. I think maybe because of the run to Roddy. I'm sure, yeah. That's kind of reignited it. And it's an easy one, too, because you can kind of just wear the shirt, and if you find a kill, exactly. you, can do like, you, you don't have to wear the kill, but you can. Like, it's just a shirt and a kill, and you're good to go. So it's, it's an Right. Easy. easy costume. And we got her to go to WrestleMania in, like, right, about two hours in, bro. Like, <laughs> two you... hours in? Jesus. <laughs> right. She's at the U.S. Like, title match yeah. at that point. Like, exactly. Because you think, like, the, it started with, like, Battle Royals, and then that was, yo, the Battle Royals wasn't even on the pre-show, I don't think. I think, like, the guy's Battle Royal was on, like, uh, I don't know, what was that on? So they had, like, a, it was kind of a pre-show. They have, like, a kickoff is what they call it. So that that match, uh, the Cedric Alexander-Mustafa Ali, the, the, the Cruiserweight title, and then the Women's Battle Royal were all in the quote-unquote pre-show. And then the real official show uh, began with the Intercontinental title match. But, yeah, it's like, those right. were already, like, you know, you already were about an hour in on the pre-show or whatever <laughs> two hours in on the pre-show so yeah right man well let's get into it let's yeah, get let's, into wrestle let's, let's let's talk about it a little bit so yeah obviously uh nice big long show here um i, I think i'll start off first with uh 
what kind of stood out to you when it was all said and done? I think one thing we mentioned the length, and it's kind of funny because I was I was on the West Coast mm-hmm. where where you live now, and uh, it was late for me, man. <laughs> like I don't know, I can't imagine people there. Like I was out all day doing stuff, and I'm watching this. My wife fell asleep. It was like ten o'clock when it was done in the West Coast, so I don't I can't imagine people in the East Coast or imagine people <laughs> like because I was I went to bed when it was done, and I was you know two hours behind almost everybody else. So it was kind of fascinating there. But uh, no, like you said, when you're there for that, like you know it, you understand it, and you're ready for it. So it, it, it's pretty cool in that sense but uh yeah let's let's maybe i think the the match that i think we we should first talk about and kind of break down uh is the main event there with uh, brock lesnar uh, defeating roman reigns for the universal title uh or roman reigns defending the universal title against roman reigns uh are you like most other people that assume that this was going to be roman reigns winning brock lesnar's done it's going to be what it is were you shocked that, that brock lesnar won or did you kind of expect that to possibly be the the, the way that they would go with bro. bro let me tell you something i've been waiting for so long, like I've been wait, I've been literally like waiting for this moment to talk to you about Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I think like, I can tell because right I think you you you, you uh, sent me a direct message at like seven a.m. the next morning, so I think you were. Yeah, yo, I assumed right. that this was why because you were like, I need to talk right. about this right now. Exactly, bro. I was still in New Orleans, and I'm like, <laughs> yo. I need to talk. I need my voice to be heard on this subject. And here it goes, man. This is what I've been waiting to say to you since I was since since WrestleMania 34 ended. This is what I've been waiting to say to you and to be heard by various by many people saying this, bro. I never in my whole entire like life of watching WWE and watching pro wrestling, I was actually embarrassed to be a fan at WrestleMania 34, and I'm going to tell you why. Oh, this is nice. I'm interested. Let's do it. Exactly. Yo, I am equally a wrestling fan. As much as I am an artist, a musician, I'm a wrestling fan. I've been passionate about WWE music and movies my whole life, right? I truly think the lesson from WrestleMania 34 was smart marketing has gone too far. I think that Smarkin has reached, uh, uh, it's going too fucking far, bro. And the reason I say that is because today's fan, all of us, this is what we do. We'll watch the product that's on TV, but then the true fun of us being wrestling fans are that we kind of do our little fantasy booking and mm. we'll all call each other and bitch and complain about what we hate and how we wish, how we wish it was still like this or why don't they do that? Why aren't they pushing this person? Now, I felt like at the end of WrestleMania 34, the fans hijacking the match like that, like ruined the main event for me. Like, when I was sitting there in the fucking Superdome, bro, like, I was actually still watching the match. And I actually remember telling my uh, sister, I was like, yo, I think Brock is going to win. And going into it, I was just like every other wrestling fan, like, okay, this is going to be Roman Reigns' moment, and mm-hmm. he's going to be the guy, whatever, whatever. But I felt in the when I was actually in the stadium, it was like, yo, I feel like Brock Lesnar is going to win. And I felt like that was going to be Vince's way of kind of treating us like kids that needed to go sit in the corner. Because it was kind of like Vince saying, Y'all, you think you know everything. You, you ruined this match. You didn't even watch the story that they were trying to tell. 
you don't even know if the match is good or bad. It was actually, like, really fucked up. Like, how much, I don't know if it came through on TV, how much the crowd disrespected that match. I heard all type of chants that I never heard that night. At one point in the middle of the match, I heard a We Want Cena chant. I said, what? <laughs> now <laughs> you're in Bizarro World, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. I heard, um, you both suck. I, uh, when when Roman Reigns got busted open, I think they might have edited out on WWE Network, but when he got busted open, the fans started chanting, you deserve it. It was crazy. Like, it was really, really crazy. And it pissed me off because I'm like, yo, today's fan, we are so caught up in trying to book wrestling that we don't actually watch and enjoy whatever story being told. Now, true enough, sometimes WWE be on some bullshit and we have to like <laughs> you know we just gotta eat it or whatever but this was a situation where it's like yo this is not the raw after wrestlemania this is not some random house show whatever y'all chant is going to be a part of history forever <laughs> and it's like now when i watch wrestlemania 34 and i watch brock lesnar versus roman reigns it's kind of like a uh queasy feeling yeah right. where it's like I, I can't even really enjoy the match because no nobody was into it from the time the bell rang like i mean it was beach balls that like i see i don't know how it looked on tv it did yeah no it, it came across that way too i it wasn't i don't think they ever shot the beach balls but you could tell that there was a point when when and i, I saw people on twitter talking about the beach balls where everybody in the crowd was looking another direction like these guys are in the ring wrestling and people are looking in the other direction and and like there was a you could yeah. hear it you could just hear the audio and they tried to turn it down i think a little bit but you could just hear like people just doing sh like other stuff besides the match was like completely secondary. It felt like the match was like the right. commentators were oh, talking bro. about a match. The wrestlers were wrestling a match and the crowd was just doing its own thing. Like it was a piped in bro. crowd from another place because it didn't seem like they were <laughs> matched up at all. Like they didn't react to anything. They didn't react to any German suplexes, all. anything. Bro, yeah. Have you ever in your life seen Brock Lesnar deliver a F5 and it's complete silence? Yeah. He gave Roman Reigns like six F5s and <laughs> Nobody every cared, time no. it was, nobody cared. And, 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 and this is the thing. So, we going into WrestleMania 34, all of us thinking, okay, Roman Reigns go in. And so 78,000 people decided to shit on the match. It was like, it was like an email blast went out and everybody was like, we're going to shit on the last match. It was like, everybody was in sync. We don't care about this match and we're going to shit on it. So everybody's playing with beach balls or whatever the case may be in the match. And then Brock Lesnar pins Roman Reigns. One, two, three. And then the place pops, right? But it was the type of pop where it was like, oh, shit, we didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, right. and, and, and it was like, and after, and I'll talk about the actual match in a second, but I just wanted to make sure I got across that. I think that all of us as fans, all of us smart marks, we need to sometimes, it's cool to be the type of fans that we are, but I felt like at 34, it went too far, where smart marking has actually ruined a main event at WrestleMania. And it's like, you know, this was my fifth one in a row. And every time you leave WrestleMania, it's like this excitement, this buzz. Everybody's talking about their favorite moments. Yo, after I left, when I was leaving, walking out the Superdome at WrestleMania 34, it really felt like everybody felt like a bunch of little kids that got put on punishment or got like a whooping or something. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't like no screaming and, yeah, WrestleMania. It was like, it was like everybody was leaving like, oh, man. 
wow, so Brock really won. Wow. Like, it was like everyone felt guilty is the vibe that I got from that. Like, though, I would like to go on record as saying I didn't participate in any of those things. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was like everybody felt bad. They felt guilty that they shitted on that match. And you really feel bad if you go back and watch the match because it wasn't that bad. No, that's, I felt yeah, yeah. like, you know what I mean? It was like Brock versus Roman. First of all, what kind of match do you want? What do you think? This is not going to be Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat. This is not going to be Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. This is not. No, it's Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. They have two very distinct styles. And I think the story that they told, and I was watching it while I was in New Orleans, and I'm like, I get the story. The story is Roman Reigns has been through two years or however long it's been more training more he's had more time he's evolved he's grown so, so brock is going to take more than one f5 to beat me brock you can suplex me all day and i've been through so much at this point i prepare for this i'm able to go toe-to-toe with you i'm the underdog roman reigns i've been through so much shit in this past year brock it's going to take more than your worst to beat me like that was the story I don't know what fans wanted. And, might I say, bro, at this point, why do we still boo Roman Reigns? I don't understand. And I might I might be totally, like, I might get uh, fucking stoned for saying this, but it's <laughs> right. like, why, I'm not, I am not one of them dudes that still boo John Cena. I think it's stupid. And I'm one of the people that's like, I don't, at, at first I was all about booing Roman Roman Reigns. Now, no, not at all. I will not boo Roman Reigns because it's it's not his fault that he got pushed the way that he did. And essentially what we're doing is booing the office. Right, right. The office you know what I'm saying? The office is not the one that's in the ring every night. Roman Reigns is. The office is not the one who's going to get fired if he don't get over. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I start looking at it from that perspective. It's like Roman Reigns didn't do nothing wrong. They misbooked him, I think, and I think they tried to push him too much too soon, and they didn't let the push come organically. But now it's been like two years, and I'm just not going to boo Roman Reigns because at the end of the day, the match at WrestleMania was good. I think Roman Reigns does his best. I don't feel like he gives like lackluster or he's at a lack of uh, you know drive. Or I think he gives his all in every match that he does. The promo skills could be a little better. But at this day and age in WWE, I think everybody on the roster, with aside from a couple people, their promo skills could be a little better. So... I'm at the point where it's like WrestleMania 34 changed my whole perspective because it was like, yo, for one, the match was actually good and the fans took a shit on it, which was totally like, that was like, I think Santino Morello tweeted about it. He said that it was disrespectful what the fans did at WrestleMania. I totally agree. As a fan, I agree. Like, watch the story that they tell him, boo who you like, uh, boo who you don't like, cheer who you like. But when you totally don't pay attention to a match at all, it's like, well, what did you even come for? You knew what the main event was going to be before you got there. And they are giving they all in this match, and you took a shit on it. So overall, I think the match was good. I think the crowd took away from the match. Um, but I think the actual match was good. And 
big ups to Vince McMahon or whoever decision it was to have Brock Lesnar win because I think that it was the smack in the face and the trip to the woodshed that all of us fans needed for thinking that we know what's best and that thinking that we know that we know what's going to happen next. We got to keep in mind sometimes that we are fans and we don't know what's going on behind the curtain. They do. And we pay to see it and we watch it and keep continuing to watch it because they are the ones that have been doing this for however long they've been doing it. And we forget that we're fans and sometimes we need to just enjoy the show that they put on instead of trying to be the booker. Yeah, and I think that what's interesting, and you brought up a lot of really good points there. When I when I initially watched the match live, I I didn't think it was all that great because I was just so distracted by the crowd and what was going on in the crowd and reacting to a little bit of the crowd. <laughs> right. So it kind of sucked. But what's interesting is is my host that's usually on this podcast. He's getting married this week, so that's why he's uh, he's not on here this uh, th- this week, and that's why you're you're jumping in here is uh, and and he came back saying he loved the match because he thought the match itself was really good, and that if you sort of ignore what the crowd was doing. And understand right. that the story that was being told was a very good story, and it made sense when it was all said and done. When Brock won, it was like, oh, okay, like now I kind of want to go back and rewatch it. And I went back and I rewatched it, and I didn't think it was nearly as bad. It, if you watch it with like on mute, it's actually a very good story, and it's a story of like right. Brock Lesnar putting away Roman Reigns and really like proving that he, you know, d- d- despite whatever Roman Reigns could say about him being a part timer and all that sort of stuff, that Brock is still great and he's still good and he's this dominant exactly. champion. Exactly. But like, if you watch it with the sound on, you just think it's like the crowd shitting on on a match and the match that, that just and, and it was really good. I mean, it, it was like all said and done. Like, I still don't know if I love it. Like, he really loved. It. I forget what. Like, he he thought it was like really awesome and gave it some some great rating or whatever. I don't think it was quite that good, but I don't think it was like nearly as bad i mean there was a lot of people that thought it was horrible and i think it's horrible in the context of a crowd that just doesn't care you know kickouts that don't matter but if you watch it with the sound off it might completely be a different different effect and i think like you said it was sort of this thing where when it was all said and done people were like that air kind of came out like oh that's the story they were trying to tell oh our bad like sorry we didn't know that that's we really kind of assumed (laughs) that this is what was going to happen our bad like we didn't we didn't know that like can we let's do it over again We'll, we'll be better this time because and it was kind of interesting because the one thing that i've always loved is that you know if, if the fans want to reject a Roman Reigns or whatever, which I, I don't disagree. If, you, if you're like, hey, look, I don't like the guy. I don't like how the, the, the company sort of right. used him or whatnot. I feel like the best way to do that is to project onto somebody else. In that case of exactly. cheering for Brock Lesnar. So going out there and being like, no, we want Brock Lesnar to win and stuff. But this was just weird, though. And that's kind of what happened with the Daniel Bryan story. It was like, yeah, you're doing this Batista thing or whatever. But instead of just booing Batista and throwing beach balls or whatever, we're going to cheer Daniel Bryan. And we're going to want this guy. We're telling you this is the guy we want or whatever. But they they instead, yeah, it was a very weird reaction to just have everybody just decide we're not going to care whatsoever. And I, I don't know. It's 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 it, it might be a seminal moment in WWE. We might be talking about this for years to come if it's all said and done and, and, and if things don't, you know, if we look back at that time and go like, oh, my God, this was just a changing of the guard. And, and maybe WWE and, and, and some people kind of theorize that maybe it was the idea that they wanted Reigns to get that sympathy that now, similar to you, people are going to say, ah, I kind of feel bad for the guy now. <laughs> like, you know, exactly. and, Yo, so that might be kind of what they're doing. They're like, hey, <laughs> let's throw him out to the wolves, let them tear him apart one more time, and then everyone's going to go, oh, geez, like, we kind of really feel bad for this guy now. And that might be what they were trying to do. I, I don't know that for a fact, but it, it's a possibility because it was, like, I, and I'm not a Roman Reigns guy either at all, but when it was also, like, when that was over, I was just like, oh, I feel horrible for this guy. He's, like, bleeding, well, exactly. everyone's booing at him, he's, like, hugging his family like i'm sorry it's, right did you yeah. see right when he was walking back to the dressing room i felt really bad for Ro- <laughs> for roman reigns man like when they sh- i went back and watched it on the network and i saw 
that little clip of him like walk, taking that long walk back to the dressing room. And if sympathy was what they was trying to get, they got it out of me, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, like yo, they definitely did, man. I totally agree with you. I think that if you're not a fan of somebody, then of course, like you know, cheer. That. But but it, it goes back to it's weird because everyone thought Brock was leaving, right? And that's so the story that like, they played up. So they kind of put themselves in a, a tough situation because they they tried to tell the story of the Brock. Um, Goldberg thing from WrestleMania 20 or whatever, where it was like right. the fans knew that these guys were leaving, so they just kind of shit on the match and and they kind of played it up. Oh, Brock's leaving you guys again, so now you're gonna hate him. And they kind of played it up for a few weeks and then realized that the fans probably weren't gonna react that way anymore. So they kind of pulled it back. But then it was another thing where everybody then still thought because they were saying that and because they played it up that Brock was gonna leave, that there was no chance in hell that Brock was gonna win, that he's definitely gone or whatever. So it's like it was like one of the one of the better jobs of deceiving the fans I've ever seen. I mean, they deceived as you said, seventy eight thousand people were convinced and many many millions around the world were convinced that this was the result <laughs> and it didn't happen so it is kind of interesting and sometimes like you said maybe it was sort of that whipping that you need to kind of put you in place of like hey look you may think you know but sometimes we're going to throw a wrench in the plans and, and, and do something a little bit different and, and zig when you all think we're going to zag or whatever so it, it could like i said be a pretty uh important moment but i think overall yeah it's a match that if you watch it only that night i think it's it's worth going back and watching and maybe even muting or like lowering because i think the match itself has a totally different feel if you know the result and you, you know, you know that Brock's going to win and then you watch it sort of from that standpoint versus watching the entire Absolutely. time going, all right, I can't wait. How is Reigns going to win? How is Reigns going to win? And then sometimes right. you're like, oh, okay. Like I, 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 I'm nearly fell on my chair because I thought it was like a mistake or that Reigns forgot to kick. I was just like, oh, okay. Like that's, that's what they're doing. All right. That's, <laughs> you know what I put in, in, I don't know, just maybe in my, in my little world, I think as far as, um, you know, you just said it was a pivotal moment. And, and then, you know, in time, we'll look back at 34 as a pivotal moment. I absolutely agree. In my world, in my little bubble, this, that, that WrestleMania main event, as far as um, things that might change wrestling forever, I put it up there with, like, I put it in there as significant as, like, the Montreal yeah. screw job. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like, of course, people are gonna say what they're gonna say, and and because the Montreal Screwjob was just blatantly what it was, I think that in a more subliminal way, this if that was Vince's reason for having Brock to win is to be like, okay, see fans, you think you know what you're doing and you really don't, because the reason I feel like it's that pivotal is the Raw after WrestleMania is normally. Like off the wall, crazy. Did you peep how tamed the audience was? They booed when they were supposed to boo. Yeah, they right, cheered right. when they were supposed to cheer. There wasn't any outlandish taunting or any crazy chant because we still felt the uh, the remorse from WrestleMania the <laughs> night before. I felt like Vince McMahon fixed the fans. It was like okay. Now maybe we won't like think we're the bookers. Maybe we won't. And I and, and and with that being said, I think that WrestleMania 34's main event is one of those pivotal moments. And and on a on just uh, on a subliminal level, kinda in the back of all of our minds, probably put it in our brains of like, you know what? Maybe 
maybe we should see where this is going before we think we know it all and we potentially ruin a good fucking main event. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny, and WWE's been doing that a lot on on Twitter and whatnot, is because now with with the idea that like, and you know this as an artist as well, is that like you got you open yourself up to to, to the people, and that's that's what all social media is about for for artists and and creators right. and whatnot is 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 giving people a peek into your world and peek into your you, you know your psyche and what you're doing and 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 all this sort of stuff, and and, and WWE has done a good job, and and, and wrestling in general all, all across the world has done a great job of of sort of getting people in so people think oh i can trust this guy this guy what he's saying is is good i know this guy i know all about him or whatnot but at, at the end of the day it's still pro wrestling and these guys work you then and that's it's all about that exactly. like you, you're not doing that you want you want people to to enjoy you and enjoy your stuff and enjoy your music and then buy your music but and they're they're kind of the same way they're they're i, I guess they're trying to get you to buy their story the same way that you're trying to get them to buy music in, in, in that same sense. And people kind of forget that. It's like, these guys are your friends at a, at a point. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm not saying that, that you're not your, you know, these people that you're not close to the people that you're, you're talking to on, on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. But for, for wrestlers, they, they open themselves up and they try to let you in, but then they do that to kind of hook you again. And that's what wrestling is all about. It's all about that, that, Absolutely. that sort of, exactly. It's all about sort of working the fans and, and, and making you, think that you know what's going on but you don't know what's going on or if you don't know what's going on they're going to take you on the ride or whatever and i thought this this could be one of those moments where again like people sort of look back and realize like oh yeah it's still pro wrestling like i think i might know it all but i don't because it's it's like it's different bro i love what you just said it's pro wrestling it's sports entertainment it's (laughs) a work i think that um today's fan due to the style that's been popularized now with a lot of like the NXT is more, it's more like it's more athletically based. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, um, you know, it's like, uh, back in the WCW days, you have like the luchadors that did that style and then that was it. But I feel like that style has kind of like overrun all of wrestling in general, where it's a lot of high spots, a faster pace, you know what I mean? So I think with that style, it makes the fans like look at it as an athletic competition when that's not what it's supposed to be. It's a work. It's a story. Like you know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. an athletic contest is a part of the story that they're telling. But this ain't UFC. Like you know what I'm saying? It's like it's no. It's a work. Is you know by. That's why I grew up watching it, because I love the stories that they told. I love the characters, and I love that it was them working us, and there were things that were left up to the imagination of what's real and what's fake. I think that us as fans sometimes forget that, because like I say, the style now, is what the, the characters today I don't think are character driven as much you know if you really not i love i love finn valor like you know what i'm saying and i love seth rollins but and what's the difference between them you know it's like right, i right. feel like everybody's everybody's character today is just i'm really good at wrestling so now if that's everyone's character is that i'm really good at wrestling then our, us as fans we start to forget that this is all supposed to be a work. Like, if you want to see actual athletic competition, go watch, like, UFC or something like that. But I feel like, yo, let's all remember it's a work. That's what we enjoyed about it as kids is that it was them working us. Not that we knew everything that was going to happen, and then when something doesn't go our way, we pout about it. It's like, yo, it's pro wrestling. Enjoy it being a work. That's what it is. So, 100% 100% man and, and like just because I don't want to get stuck uh, too much just on 
uh, Roman and Brock, but that was the biggest thing that I know I wanted to talk about. Oh, absolutely. No, was, it's, it's... was that I just feel like us fans, we need to just enjoy the show a lot more. We should have our conversations and, and all that shit. And not to say we should become like a censored audience. Right, right. But what I'm saying is if it gets to the point where we ruin a WrestleMania main event, when does it stop? <laughs> like, when does this shit stop? It's like, yo, at a certain point, man, like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, have fun with it or whatever. But, you know, who knows? That audience probably could have ruined that match for other people that were there and actually wanted to enjoy the match. So I just say, well, the lesson learned for me from WrestleMania 34 is smarking can go too far. And at WrestleMania 34, it went too far. Man. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, kind of my last point on that one is, is you know, and we, we it's kind of a thing that we talk about on this podcast a lot. We, we tend to do it a little bit more in, in New Japan versus WWE. Like, WWE, we don't always give the benefit of the doubt on this podcast, but but New Japan, since they've, they've done some stuff over the past few years, that's really, but we always say let it play out is one of our things. It's like when you're watching a, a match, like, instead of overreacting at, at one result, see what the, the, see what happens a few months afterwards. You can go back right. very easily and go, okay, look, now after three months i can say that was really stupid that they did that but but nothing is stupid in the moment unless you know what's coming afterwards you, you know it's like so if if if, if roman reigns you know lose it, it doesn't even if roman Reigns wins and, and it's all about what happens a few months and it, like people don't want that now because of course now is the days of you know 100 or you know 280 characters of like here's my reaction right away <laughs> here's this so i right. need to know like everyone needs to know right now and 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 sometimes wrestling is not con- best consumed that way wrestling is best consumed sort of seeing how things play out seeing how things work work out like you know if you shit you go back to like you know the 1998 king of the ring if kane beating stone cold in the first blood match and you're like fuck this this company sucks like how would they <laughs> make stone cold lose and it's like well right. it's no like just wait the next day he's gonna win a bag and it's gonna set the next stage of the feud up or whatever but like if you just react to that one moment you're not gonna ever you know get that same enjoyment so we always say let it play out and, and WWE doesn't always get the benefit of the doubt but i think this is going to be a moment you like you said raw kind of reflected that where people were like oh okay like we're kind of back now we're kind of getting ready to get worked again we've been worked again like <laughs> right. it was it was 78,000 people getting worked and, and Vince doesn't have, you know, too many, you know, shots left in his holster. He's a, he's a little older or whatever, but that, that was one of them, man. Like that was one where he was it just was. like, you think, that was like, you assholes yes, think you know was. what's going on? Well, fuck off. No, you don't. It's like, here's what I'm right. doing. Like, <laughs> right. Vince still got, Vince is still a genius, man. Vince still got great still fruits. Yeah. Still got those great you, fruits. You know <laughs> what I mean? Right, man. Vince is, you know, that's, He's the guy, man. He he is the reason why a lot of us love pro wrestling. And when we think we know, Vince still got a trick up his sleeve. And absolutely, that the Raw after WrestleMania was the the that was the end result of Vince being like, okay, shut up, let me do what I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it, that was so hilarious. Whenever they put it up on the network. People should go uh, watch the Raw after this year's WrestleMania if they didn't watch Raw the night after. Because normally, Raw crowd after Mania oh, it's yeah, out that's of control. A, yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, that's, year, that's it beach was ball crazy. Usually, but yeah, not not this time. Not this time, no. It was, it was tamed. It was a bunch of kids who got told, go sit in the corner and and calm down, and then you can play again later. But that's what <laughs> happened, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Uh, one match that I really enjoyed on the show, and I'm curious on your thoughts as well, and, and way more than I thought I would enjoy it, is the Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey, uh, defeating Triple H and Stephanie. Uh, I kind of had a thought of what I 
kind of thought the match was going to be, and, and this exceeded my expectations by a lot. I really love this match. I thought Rousey looked good. I thought Stephanie looked great in, in it as well. Uh, taking the abuse from, from Rousey and Triple H and Kurt Angle, of course, are, are the, you know, they're pros, pros, so they're always right. going to be good. What did you think about this match? Did it kind of exceed your expectations as well? I thought that this match was the match of the night. Um, I thought I thought that Oscar and Charlotte, like, and uh, the mixed tag team match were the two best matches of the night. I enjoyed the Cena Undertaker thing. I enjoyed that for the moment that it was. But I think the mixed tag team match stole the show. I and listen, I was the most cynical person ever. Like I didn't want to cheer for Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I'm the same way. I was, I was definitely looking to for reasons not to to really root right. for her. So. <laughs> Yo, I swear. Like sitting in the Superdome, I, I was a. Uh, my I told my sister, I'm like, Yo, I'm not cheering for Ronda Rousey. I'm like, she has to earn these cheers for me. And when the match started and. It was it was amazing. Like it was a beautiful story that they told. I bought into it. Ronda Rousey did her thing. It was believable. Um, man, it it was great. I, I have no. I dare I say, it might be in my top ten WrestleMania matches of all time. Dare I say, people should go back and watch it. If you want to talk about moments, you want to talk about like this jumping up out of your seat and not knowing what's going to happen next. I didn't, I did not expect for Triple H to snatch Ronda Rousey out of the ring like that. I didn't expect for Ronda Rousey and Triple H to have any type of physicality, like going into that match. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect like, uh, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, anything, anything that lacked made it, might've just been, cause I think, um, uh, Kurt Angle, you know, he he just get he might be getting a little older now, you know what I'm saying? That but I think that the match was phenomenal and I think it's probably one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. Just as far as of course it's not a catch as catch can classic or nothing like that, but as far as like moments, like things that I always remember and like feelings, like matches that drew an emotion out of me, it's one of my favorite so I'll say maybe not favorite WrestleMania matches. I'll say one of my favorite WrestleMania moments of all time. Yeah, I'm kind of right with you on that. I, I was stunned at Rousey, and I was the same way. I was kind of – and I was curious how the crowd was going to be as well. And I think the crowd, if you, if you listen, they they similar to what you said, they kind of were like, all right, prove it to us. Like, prove you belong here. Prove – and, man, Rousey really did. I thought it was the first time and, – and I'm sure you had been watching the Raws and, and everything leading up to it. And there was always this weird yeah. – like, she was kind of smiling too much. Like, you wanted the badass. You wanted, her to, you wanted her to go out there and just kick some ass. And, and right. that's what she did at Mania. And it was like, oh, good. This is exactly what you wanted. She got in there. She got the tag from Angle and just kicked ass and that's exactly what everybody wanted uh to see so yeah i was stunned that they i i thought there'd be a little bit more tricks that they would do i thought but they didn't really let you know they let stephanie basically basically get nothing which is exactly what they should because ronda rousey should you know <laughs> kick the shit out right. of stephanie mcmahon and and right. should probably you know in some ways kick the shit out of triple h too so it was kind of cool to see that where she just came in there and just came in like a buzzsaw so i was great to see uh, i thought it was great to see stephanie and triple h both realize that hey this is all about her and let's make her look like a million bucks because i think exactly. what, what she was coming in and what she is leading now i think people are, are, are really excited about it but i thought she she did pretty good too i thought there would be like some awkwardness of her movements but man it, she was on point like everything she did looked good she looked smooth and and yeah i was i was stunned at how good she was so here's my question for you how do they, how do you feel like they should book ronda rousey going forward because i thought i because i still don't know first of all i don't 
want to see her smiling all the time. And then her aggressive face sometimes seems kind of forced. Yeah, right, right. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, do you then book her like a Brock Lesnar where it's once every, you know, every once in a while? Or now is she legitimately like a, a main roster mainstay where every Monday night you're going to see her? Because I think either A, if she don't like um, – if um if it doesn't start to feel more organic and 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 if it doesn't start to uh if she doesn't start catching on to uh to I don't know not forcing certain emotions I think we could get burnt out on Ronda Rousey really really quick I don't want I don't wish that for her because I think at her best like is that WrestleMania match where it, it draws emotion because of the realism of who what we all know that she could do. But I, I think maybe if she's overutilized, if yeah. she doesn't catch on real quick, it might fizzle out quick. I'm right with you. I think the best way to use her, and, I, and we've talked about this on this podcast as well, is is use her sparingly. Like, I don't care if she now goes away for, like, a month or two or whatever. You know, exactly. like, But if she's on Raw every week, it's going to get bad because, like, she's not quite that polished yet. Obviously, she's not a great talker. So I think the best thing for her is just kind of come in. People challenge her, and, and maybe she comes in every few months or whatever. It, like, that's, I think, fine for her. I think that's the best use of her, and I know that that they're you know they're paying her a lot of money, so they probably want her on uh, pretty frequently. But yeah, like you said, there there is that issue of overexposure. So we've seen the good, we've seen the bad, and now it's just kind of we'll, we'll see what the next step is when, when it does. But uh, yeah, I think overexposure could be an issue, and I really really hope that that yeah she just goes away for a few weeks at a time and and, and is one of those special attractions. Similar, you know, maybe a little bit more, but but you know, obviously I'd like to see her a little bit more than this. But similar to what Brock Lesnar does, I think what they have with Brock Lesnar is a right. pretty good thing right now, where he comes in for the big time matches. All right, you guys have called me. Here I am. What do you? need you know let me go kick some ass and, right. and get out i think that's the best <laughs> right. way because yeah like brock's the same way you know there's there's not much you can do with his character week to week but he's still a badass so if he comes in you know at, at, at every big show or whatever i think that's probably uh, enough for it but yeah i don't know it's rousey's gonna be interesting to, to see because they got to be careful with her i mean you can't ever lose all that often and and you got to make her look right. like a badass the entire time you can't be smiley ones and it's just gonna look weird when someone like attacks her and like knocks her down you know what i like and and not be you know triple h or whatever if it's just like a random you know Natalia just beats her up or whatever. It's like, well, no, that, that looks weird. Like, cause you want her to just kind of right. be dominant and kind of do. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm glad I'm not the one that's in charge of it. Cause I, I don't know what I would do now. <laughs> I feel like it's, exactly, it's a ton of pressure. Man. Yeah. Yo, do you remember when she got put through the table? Like, I think it was the go home show. Yeah. Yeah. WrestleMania. That was so awkward. Like when she was laying down, and she kept looking at Stephanie from on the ground. Like, she wasn't, like, actually selling being hurt. She was more, like, focused on trying to look mean at Stephanie. And it was like, yo, this looks weird, bro. Like, <laughs> yo, I'm like, this kid, this, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I want Ronda, based off of how good our performance was at WrestleMania, I really want Ronda Rousey to succeed in WWE. It's just like, uh, and, and of course, I'm no, you know, I'm no Pat Patterson. I'm no, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just a fan that's been watching for a long time. But it's like, yo, certain things have to, you got to find that realism within your work. And some of the things that she does, like it still looks like she's so focused on getting it right or doing the job or 
I'm supposed to do this or I'm supposed to do that. It's like that it comes off um, really contrived and it comes off like an act. You know, the, the, yeah. the best workers are the people that make you forget that it's an act, that that make you really believe that you're on the ground hurting or whatever. But it was it was more so when I saw her take that, uh, go through that table, it was like it was. she was more so focused on the camera getting the shot of her looking mad at Stephanie than she was selling being hurt because she just got put through a fucking table. Right, exactly. And, and we, we sort of take for granted because we see all these wrestlers and, and they're so good at it that we forget that, like, it is really hard to do. And, like, you throw her to the wolves right. and, and have her ready. And it's, it's just like, all right, yeah, act like you're tough and act like you're hurt and act like that. And it's, like, not that easy. Like, it's really, really tough. And, and we sort of forget that because you have guys like a Kurt Angle who, you know, with, within 10 minutes was ready to go and knew what the hell he was doing or whatever. And it's, right. like, not, most people have to train years and years and years and years before they can get that. And, and to sort of assume that Rousey can, can do that. And some people aren't charismatic and that's why a lot of people don't make it in wrestling because it's if you're not that sort of over the top charismatic especially you know you know to get into wwe and that sort of their style as well is that yeah you got to be like one of the top ones so yeah we kind of take for granted we assume it's just like you just snap your fingers and you're great at being a pro wrestler and you're great at you know faking emotion and stuff and it's not that easy like and and we talk about the smiling where she comes out and you can tell she was like generally smiling and kind of nervous or whatever (laughs) we forget that these other people aren't nervous like nobody else like other people get in front of seventy eight thousand people and aren't nervous at all like it's just second nature for them but you know we forget that if you took someone off the street and just had them say hey cut a promo it's like well no like they're gonna they're not gonna be able to do that it's really hard to do like, right. no one's gonna want you know you, you're a performer so you're probably a little bit better at it than than, than like i am but like dude, I, I couldn't i couldn't even get in front of a crowd of 100 people and talk you know i can i can do this but nobody sees me right. but if i walked out in front of a crowd of 100 people i wouldn't know what the hell to say i would I, hey how's it going like i i'm gonna go away now like so it's tough but yeah no like and people take i'm, I'm sure you you deal with that in the music world too people take for granted live music as well like a lot of people can can you know you can make music in your own home or in a studio or whatever i mean going in front of a crowd is, is a whole different atmosphere and i'm sure you, you have of course you know that too absolutely a- absolutely and, and that's why i hope that she picks it up i hope that those jitters get out of her system and i hope she falls into a, a easy flow man and falls into a rhythm because at this point seeing you know, what Ronda Rousey has the ability to do when she's at her best in a WWE ring, I hope that that continues. Like, because it was, it was a great moment at WrestleMania. So it's just a matter of, and you got to, like you said, man, you know, we do have to take in consideration this was her first match ever. Like, and it was in front of 78,000 people. So, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's like to have your first match be on the biggest show that the company has in, in front of one of the biggest crowds ever. You know, I'm sure that that's going to give her the jitters, but I, I'm sure, you know, time, time cures all. And I think that Ronda Rousey is going to be great. At least I hope she is like, you know, at, at least now I feel like she has the support of us jaded fans. Yeah, that it's right, like, right. yo, we really hope that Ronda Rousey does her thing because she really killed it at WrestleMania. Yeah, she proved herself, and that's, I think, what everybody wanted to see. Go out there and, and, and give full effort and, and, and act like you want to be here, and it, it absolutely was. So it's cool to see that now, and I think now it's going to be a whole different chapter of people kind of rooting for so uh one match that i definitely want to talk about knowing that you you know started your your most recent wrestlemania streak uh at wrestlemania 30 the return of daniel bryan how awesome was it to be in that atmosphere i mean you obviously saw his win at wrestlemania 30 which i'm I'm still very jealous of and now you saw this which i'm equally (laughs) jealous of in the same arena how cool was it to be the the juxtaposition of it being the same arena and it being a lot of the same people kind of being there and it just how, how cool is it to see that guy back in the ring 
Man, so cool. You know, I got goosebumps to, on that SmackDown, the go-home SmackDown leading into WrestleMania when he did his, uh, like, drop kicks in the corner on Sami Zayn and, uh, and uh, um, Kevin Owens. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was just so dope to see Daniel Bryan back doing what he does and being in that stadium, like, seeing him make his return, man. It was, it was crazy. I was happy for him, and I think, that's something that's cool about us fans of today that we are so invested in these uh performers like uh personal lives in the sense that we knew in real life how bad Daniel Bryan wanted to wrestle. We knew that he didn't really want to be a general manager. He Hell just no. <laughs> wanted to be around the business. You know what I'm saying? He just wanted to be around the business that he loved. So to have such a genuine emotional moment like Daniel Bryan's return. I think that the cheers and yeses that came out that night at WrestleMania, it was more than just your average, yes, yes, we're just cheering because we're supposed to cheer for Daniel Bryan. I felt like it was an authentic, genuine, from the heart. We are honestly happy to see you back doing what you love to do, yeah. and we know how much you grinded and struggled for this. So it was truly, it, it, was, it was an amazing moment to see him back doing his thing. Uh, what did you think about the match itself? Because I thought uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought maybe it would be a little bit better than it maybe was. But uh, I saw, I mean, it was all about the Daniel Bryan moment. It's like once the match happened, I was right. just like, whatever, man. I don't really care what happens as long as, you know, Daniel Bryan gets his moment. I was hoping that he was going to win. I mean, that's all I really wanted. I wanted to see him come out. I wanted to see the crowd react to him. And I wanted to see him win. So I got that. What did you think of the actual match itself, though? Did it uh, do a whole lot for you? And a lot of it was Daniel Bryan's, you know, getting stretchered out in the chick, man, getting beaten up. But uh, yeah. Right. You know, you know what? Not you know. Here we go, fantasy booking. <laughs> if if I we got it, we got If I could, if I could have had it my way, I think that roles would have been reversed between Shane and Daniel Bryan. I think that I would have made it to where um, Daniel Bryan would have been the one that had to carry the majority of the match, and Shane was the one who got hurt early because. Think about it like this. We waited all this time to see Daniel Bryan mm -hmm. come back. You know what I mean? So it was a given that we rocking with Daniel Bryan through this whole match. So now when he gets hurt immediately, like in the match, it's like, oh, well, we was waiting for Daniel Bryan. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, yeah. Absolutely. And it was you know, it wasn't a knock against Shane or anybody else in the match, but it's like that. We we wanted to see Daniel Bryan do what he does, and I think that if it would have been reversed, like if Shane would have got her early, and now after all of this, Daniel Bryan fought so hard to come back, but now his partner's gone, and now we really got to see if he's truly healed enough to carry his own weight for this long with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And then it would have also worked because we do know that Shane McMahon, I don't know if it was a work or if it was a shoot, but that Shane McMahon also was having like medical issues. Yeah, I don't know. The more that, I think that was a work. What's going on, man? I, I don't know. I, I know people that have gone through that. My dad's gone through. I, I don't think you're back in like a week too. I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't care to right. look it up that much, but yeah, I, I don't know what that was. But yeah. Well, see, they could have played with that. They could have. They could have made it seem like, and I thought that's what they were going to do, like have it to where, okay, something happened to Shane. Shane doesn't know if he can continue. And now through the whole match, kind of like rooting for Daniel Bryan with this whole underdog, like, oh, shit, Daniel Bryan got to go against them alone. And then maybe like in the last 15 minutes of the match, you have Shane, 
do to come back. And now Daniel Bryan has a partner to tag. It's a right, hot yeah, tag yeah. to Shane. Now Shane's significant. And now you now Daniel Bryan was hot for the whole match. Now Shane is even hotter because he's now saving Daniel Bryan. And you still have the same outcome. But overall, I don't think it was a I don't think it was horrible. I think it's what you said. I think that we kinda all wished it was a little better. I also think that this match was the turning point of people in the arena actually starting to realize how long we had been yeah. in the arena. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like that was the match where I remember my little sister saying to me, like, hey, uh, we got three <laughs> matches. <laughs> it's still like three matches left. And I'm like, really? And she was like, yeah. Because at that point, I think, what, Braun Strowman and the bar was still after that. And then I think uh, AJ and Nakamura was after that. And then at the end, it was Roman and Brock. You're, there's so another match, too. Like, there's the women's match. You had Nia Jax and Alexa yeah. Bliss. <laughs> so you had four matches Exactly. Left. So it was like four matches left at that point. Four, like, kind of high-profile matches that you knew were going to be like 20 minutes, 25 minutes apiece. So I think that uh, simultaneously, all all, uh, all seventy eight thousand people was like, "Oh shit, we still got like two hours left of WrestleMania." This is getting crazy. Yeah, no, that's uh, it, it's actually the point when I started watching the show, and that's what I mean. Like, so I, I, you know, I was coming back from doing whatever I was doing in in LA, and then we we got back to our, our Airbnb around it. So I saw this match, and I was like, "All right, cool, what's up?" And then, like I said, like then there was, I was, my wife was like, "All right, well, that's it, right? That's the main event." I was like, "No, no, 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 there's like two hours left," and that's when she just she just went to bed because she was like, "Oh, that was cool, so that was it, right?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, like there's still a lot more to go." And then she was like, "All right, well, I'm I'm going to bed. You, you can watch the rest of this." And yeah, it's 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 good stuff there. But uh, one more match. I, I definitely want to talk about it here, and, and and we can. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll let you have a chance if there's anything else uh, about many that stuck out to you. But I think we do have to talk about this one, of course. Uh, Undertaker okay. and John Cena. What do you think of the build of this match? Of John Cena asking, asking, asking. Undertaker not coming up, not showing up, and then still Cena comes out. Elias comes out. <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff, coming, and then eventually the Undertaker <laughs> comes out, and the Undertaker just beats him in like two and a half minutes or whatever. What would you think of first off the build towards this match? Were you were you into this build? Did you enjoy kind of what they were doing? Um, I enjoyed the build because I feel like John Cena in today's day and age is still one of the best talkers in the business. I think that John Cena can talk you into the building, whether you want to see him lose or win. Um, it's not going to be a dull moment. John Cena, he's going to figure out a way on the mic to get you to watch whatever he's selling. Whether that was when I don't even remember what pay per view that was, where it was him versus Roman, but when he like totally buried Roman, like in that promo with with them two on Raw, it was like he found a way to make you care. John Cena, he's he still to me, you know, top dude, he's top dog, man. No, nobody in WWE has proved that they're willing, that they they're ready to take his spot. To me. You know, as the guy that, you know, you could always depend on that is never going to let you down, whether it's on the microphone, whether it's in the match, no matter what it is, John Cena ain't going to let you down. So the build, did I like it? I did. I dug it. I dug the fact that you didn't see The Undertaker until WrestleMania. I dug the fact that even at WrestleMania, like the merch that they were selling, like in the WrestleMania programs, it says John Cena versus Undertaker, but it had like a big question mark, <laughs> right, and, then yeah. under, and then and then under it it says 
Undertaker has not verified at this time. Yeah, so and the program match- had like a grayed out Undertaker. Like, we well, think so, but maybe not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right, man. So I thought that that was cool, man, because it, cause it was something different. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, how many times can you see somebody challenge the Undertaker, point at the sign, lightning strikes in the ring, Undertaker voice comes out of nowhere. Then, I mean, we didn't see it. It's been done to death. So even if we didn't 100%, and we all knew Undertaker was going to show up at WrestleMania, but it's like, it's something different. At least it was a different way for us to get there this year. Like, it wasn't the same old, same old with the old, like, acoustic guitar music of Undertaker and then it's going to be his last fight. I didn't want to see the same build that we've seen for Undertaker matches since WrestleMania 30. So it's like if you're going to have him come 